This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. An unlikely friendship begins in the Paramount Plus original movie, Little Wing, starring Brooklyn Prince with Kelly Riley and Brian Cox. Reeling from her parents' divorce, Caitlin steals a valuable bird to save her home, but instead forms a bond with the owner, leading to a new outlook on life. Little Wing, now streaming exclusively on Paramount Plus. Head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Rated PG 13. This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Everybody, welcome right. to a brand new episode of the Creators Outlet Podcast with our special guest tonight, Frankie B. Washington. Hey, what's going on, everybody? How you Matt, doing? Co-creators of Kaiju's and Cowboys. Yes. Hello. Yes. <laughs> Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. The uh, the campaign seems to do, be doing pretty well so far. Yeah, just a little, yes. just a little. Yeah. Just funded in three days, little. no big deal. <laughs> yeah, you know, trudging <laughs> uh, along, trudging along. It, it, it's just a thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you gotta, yeah. yeah well, you know what's funny is that I'm starting to see you're seeing so many people that are doing campaigns, but also one thing I'm noticing is more Western stuff. I'm like, mm-hmm. wow, a lot more Western stuff is starting to pop up. So I'm wondering if the genre is starting to sort of make its way back into the, you know, the mindset of people and pop culture. It, it might also be that uh, a lot of modern books are kind of like, could be. Well, could be a mixture I, of that. From, I don't from, know. From the big two, like, like I quit reading and collecting. Batman and Detective Comics for the first time since 1974. Wow. Um, wow. When there was there was a there was an issue, and Bruce was sitting at the table, and all the all the dialogue they gave to him turned him into like a social justice warrior. I go, that's not Batman. I, I can't read that. That's not Batman. I mean, the the current Superman stuff is actually pretty good. Um, 
I mean, I, I like I've been trying to avoid uh, Batman, not as like, uh, you know, because of what is going on. Just it's just because Batman's so overexposed these days. But like, yeah. I mean, Superman's good. What else am I reading? Um, uh, Harley Quinn's actually really good. Uh, they got Stephanie Phillips on it. She's fantastic. Um, yeah, I mean, th th there's stuff, but like, you know, it, it it's. Yeah. Uh, I've yeah. been catching up on indie stuff. Most of the stuff I'm getting is mostly indie stuff. Yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, stuff. yeah forged. So. Forged from yeah. image. That that's that's really good. I mean, I, I wrapped I, up I like Kaju that Max, that stuff, you know, Kaju Max and you know, a couple of little mangas here and there. But I don't know. I'm 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 eclectic. I tend to I tend to read anything. Anything that sort of sparks that interest, I'll be like, all right, I'll check it out. Yeah. If if you like the artwork, you'd be like I'll see what's going on and well, exactly. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, that's the, what's the point? Comic books are a visual, you know, storytelling yeah. vehicle. I mean, <laughs> you know, so so in some degree, the artwork, I, I it's got to be appealing, and then it sort of drives you, and yeah. then you see the story and stuff, and and then it carries on. Yeah, kind of like uh, my my first my first exposure to uh, manga was two movies, uh, Ninja Scroll and Akira. Oh, ah, those are your first two. Wow, those are the first two I watched. I'm like, and then I go back and I'm like, apparently I saw the best two. Um, no, no, actually, no, there's there's been a lot. I'll take you even further back because back in the day in the 80s, I used to be part of an anime club and I used to hang out well when I grew up in Boston, but I used to hang out with some cats over in Cambridge. I there's Crying Freeman. I would suggest if you ever hear about that one, Crying Freeman's amazing, oh, yeah, amazing yeah. manga and amazing anime. Um, oh my god, uh, Demon City Shinjuku. Uh, Fist of the North Star, uh, Mega uh, Mega Zone Twenty Three, <laughs> Fist of the North Star, and, the North, yeah. uh, and the uh, Battle Angel Alita, which they made a movie out a couple yeah. of years ago. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I haven't I haven't seen the movie, and I I it, it's okay. It, it's not awful. Battle Angel Alita, the the manga is incredible. I mean, it's yeah. on a level with like the like the artist himself. I can never think of the name. The, remember his name, but. It's on. It's like a Kira level. Like this guy drew everything, everything, the movements, everything. Oh, it's absolutely beautiful. My co-host. I see. I see. There's no uh, no love for Lone Wolf and Cub. Oh, yeah. Well, of course, that's a big one, one too. Did, Lone yeah, Wolf and like Cub. Okay. Mandalorian. Yeah. 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 And uh, absolutely gorgeous and incredibly violent. So, like, if you want to see, like, you know, limbs flying off and blood and yep. gore everywhere, like, that's absolutely. You know that that exists, so you know. Yeah, I feel like I have yeah. a couple of copies somewhere of, of Lone Wolf and Cub. I mean, it's well, a were... massive uh, series. Yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, two of the series that you mentioned, uh, Fist of the North Star, mm -hmm. and uh, one of the other ones. I actually had some of those books. All right. Uh, when Marvel still had Epic. Okay. They were they were licensing out some of the manga stuff. I don't know All if right. they were placing them out from Viz, but they were putting them out like in prestige, like the square bounds. Sure, sure. You know, like high-end papers and everything. And uh, I got a couple of them because I know some of them were video games and I played the video games. Yeah. So, I mean, so. to me, when I look at manga now, I do see a, a little discrepancy in the sense of style, style-wise. Like, I only judge it more so from the sense of how things look. Like, when I grew, grew up, I remember manga from the 70s and 80s where... Mm -hmm. Um, the style was a much more like, well, I felt adults look like adults. That was one of the big things. And like the artwork had a Nora look, like people literally drew like, like people look like, you know, 
not real people, but it was like you could tell an adult from a child. Um, the stories were a little bit more adult. Like again, you had Ghost in the Shell. You had um, you, I don't know. They just they they they, they weren't as um wink wink humor humor. Like there there were some that were like that. But I think that now a lot of the shows now have they have a mixture, a lot more of the humor element. Whereas yeah. back then it was almost like noir. It's almost like you watch. I call it noir. So it was almost like the 1940s kind of storytelling of like mm. you know the bad guys, the kind of atmospheric kind of feel to the stories. The music was on point. It was almost jazz kind of music and stuff. So um, that's that stuff I grew up with. You know, Macross. Another uh, Macross. Yep. Yep. Uh, like Robotech. Robotech. Uh, Macro, yep. The, I know you know all these, the Force 5 robots. Oh, of course, of course. I should have gone over. I, I still have my little, like, three-inch uh, space dragon, but not the not not the guy king. Sure, the, sure. Uh, the, the red one. And it's so funny how many people remember that stuff. I think that's one of the reasons why, like, in doing Codgers and Cowboys, we were like, we, we there's definitely a, a, a market for this kind of stuff. It's just it oh, surprises yeah. me that that it's it's, it's kind of unfortunate because I see a lot of people only focusing on the the uh, legacy IPs like they'll be like oh the the Voltron and and they'll start rambling off Godzilla and all this stuff and it's like yeah 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 but there's always room for new stuff you know just to add it in there that, you know and and so that's why I think that what we're doing is is being part of that whole new mixture because there's a lot of people suddenly I'm turning around there's a lot of people coming out from the indie market with Kaji stories. <laughs> Kaju books. Oh, I'm yeah. like, oh my goodness. <laughs> like, like I think I dropped the note because I I had gotten one that was at like a like an online auction, but mm -hmm. it was like a crowdfunded crowdfunded uh, Kaiju book, like 48 pages. All right. What and, did you enjoy uh, it? Yeah, it was it was good. All right, cool. The, cool. The, the, there the you go. The story was like you know solid, and the artwork was really cool. The the cover nice. was. A, was amazing nice and uh considering a lot of crowdfunded books start around that 25 dollar mark yep um i was blessed to get that for five bucks wow well see that's so, well again, that's all the that's all that's actually good thing. They, they support the indie market so well, yeah there's it, it a good like retailer tier and they yep. see something that catches their eye while they're flipping through they'll they'll get it and try it and a lot of them will get it and try it in the store because you know, what's it gonna hurt? You buy you buy like five indie books. Sure. They'll be gone they'll be gone in a month, if not less. And you know, then you could contact the guys and that made the book and you know, place an actual order for when they're done with the, you know, fulfillment. Yeah, I think I think that one of the things about it is that if we if if we if indie comic books are able to maintain a quality level, that is you know, in some degree, and I know it's kind of tough in a certain degree, but if we can maintain a sort of standard and level that's almost comparable to what's already out there on the mainstream. And, and, mm -hmm. and when I think of mainstream, I, I honestly, I, I don't just think of Marvel and DC. I think of like Boom Studios. I think of Behemoth. You know, I think of um, Scout. I think of like, like they're, they're like under the tier. Like if there's Marvel and DC, then there's IDW. There's, um, I mean, there's Image. a few others. Image, there you go. That's when I, I don't know why I was like, the other eye. And so those are the other ones. So it's like we're competing against not just the big guys like Marvel and DC. It's like we're competing against this other tier, this other group. So you got indie down here, and you got this other tier right in here, the mid, mid mark. And then you have like the top tier. 
the ones that you know that everybody around the world knows. Like they'll be like, oh, Marvel, DC. Like some kid out there will just know who they are, even though they probably never read a book or whatever. But then there's the middle tier. And so it's like, if we're at the bottom, we have to make sure that our standard and quality of work is somewhere close to in the mid tier at least. Or, or some can even go as further than the top, but it has to be up on a level where, it's, where it could be comparable for people yeah. to really be like, okay, now we can take these guys serious. And uh, it helps that a lot of a lot of books now uh, will, uh, you know, be like 48 to like 100 and something pages. So yeah. So that a graphic novel. That good, it's a it's full full graphic novel size. Yeah, full graphic novel. Yeah. And it's like the average graphic novel is like 25 bucks. Yeah. That's how I equate it to keep spending money on crowdfunded books. Because I'm like, well, another new graphic but the, novel. But, but I'm wondering, does that ever get kind of costly, though? I mean, what if you, you get something and you spend, because it's not, so you say 25 bucks, and then what, what is the shipping the shipping cost? Because the, ship, the shipping is, uh, I think it's inside the U.S. is like, uh, depending on where you, where, where the mm -hmm. point of origin is, um, is like fifteen dollars. Well, so all, shipping, yeah. uh, shipping for for us at least. I mean, there's there's media mail. Uh, the U.S. Postal Service does media mail, and that's uh, like you can ship like documents and media. So like you know books, DVDs, that sort of thing at a reduced price. Like the last crowdfunding campaign we did, um, it was like seven bucks. Oh wow. And so, like, I mean, you know, if if you want to be like kind to the customers, you can incorporate that into the cost. But he's talking about graphic novels, though. Yeah. So that's yeah. like if Medium you're talking mail. like a forty, so a forty, so a forty-eight page comic book. So so they're not charging by weight. Uh They do. They, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's what I mean. It's like if you got a forty-eight page to to a hundred. You know, page graphic novel. We, we got a twenty-two page floppy, so that yeah. you know, of course, the, the weight on that's probably you know whatever less less well, definitely, graphic, definitely less than a trade the, paperback. <laughs> yeah, with the uh, graphic novel, is it a soft cover or a hard, or a hard cover? So a Maybe. hard cover yeah. is like always like an upcharge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I prefer the hard covers because once Boy, you put them yeah. up on your shelf, the corners start kind of. So you don't mind. So you you don't you wouldn't mind spending like a total of like sixty, seventy dollars. Uh I for, for just, a book. I just spent that on uh Timothy Fling's uh cryptid book, the, the first issue of his cryptid book. Oh wow. Because, uh wow. I bought it. I, I bought Interesting. It. Yeah. <laughs> Interesting. Wow. Okay. Uh like again, this wanna, is yeah. I don't want to tell you what I what I spent on Neff's book. Oh, Man, but I did sell my entire run of the first Jane Foster Thor books. All right, uh, like with like three number ones, and I sold my entire uh Jason Aaron Thor run. That okay, brought out like the God Butcher and all that stuff. Sure, sure. Um, that was a good one. <laughs> I, yeah. I, 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 I sold about 50 or 60 books. Uh, wow. Most of which were like either like minor keys or major keys, sure. and and like a bunch of the filler issues. Uh, I got like eight hundred dollars for that. Okay. And then I bought the collector's box, 
from wow. Global Frequency, and then I yeah. bought, then I bought the merch box. Wow. So now I, the, I here's an interesting question: Are you more interested in the merch, or are you interested in the actual book? The book. You're in the like book. this okay, big where I I just you know I just want the book if they've got the uh, you know the the plain Jane, just the book. Mm -hmm. It's this much, and I'm like, okay. Because, right. I mean, I've got, from years of collecting uh, Lady Death since uh, he relaunched Coffin Comics, yep. I've got, like, these big giant bags <laughs> full of stuff. I'm like, yeah. And I stopped <laughs> collecting. My daughter's going to be 15 this year. Yeah. Uh, but I was, like, looking at, like, the stuff through the bag when sure. it came in. I opened it up. And I, I always buy like the just as homage covers to like you know older older books. Sure. And it was a uh, it was like a Detective Twenty Seven homage, right? Yeah. So I'm looking through it. My daughter's like, "Daddy, what's that?" And she points at the bag, and I spin the bag around, and I'm like, "Oh dear, I'm not buying these anymore." There was a Lady Death condom in my bag. Oh. Uh, hey. <laughs> wow. Like, they really pushed it, huh? Wow. I'm like, I thought it yeah. was a coin, and then I I go, "Oh, I know what that is." Yeah, <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I, I guess sometimes it can't, I guess it can get kind of ridiculous to a certain degree because, because a part of me is like, yeah, you're sort of getting away from the message that this is supposed to be for the book, it's about the book. But I think people get a little excited and they start bringing all this extra stuff and whatever, and yeah, it gets like, kind of convoluted. You end up with like 30 gallon totes, you know, dedicated to like one. Book <laughs> well, we don't, we're not offering that. We've, we've, well, we're, yeah, we're, we're not doing condoms, we're not doing, yeah, condoms. yeah, yeah. We, yeah we, we, <laughs> We've skimmed down. We we've actually tried to keep our campaign very lean, very mean. You just go in, you know what you're getting, and then boom, you come right back out. One of the big things, what what I think we're both me and Matt are both excited about is that we're finally getting the issues, more issues out. Because I think that's the most important thing to sort of get people into the story, into the world, and stuff like that. Oh yeah, because uh, you know, I know. You get excited about kaiju's and and robots. Yes, any kaiju's, <laughs> any robots. So I'm like, yes, he does. Be, he absolutely this, does. This book's gonna be good just on the just on the fact that from knowing you, I know how yeah. much you love the subject. Oh, yeah, yeah. So it, you know, it's it's just gonna be like, oh, he's gonna he's gonna go all in on this no matter what. So it's it's an exciting time. I don't I, like I try to tell other people. I'm like. I, I love other stuff, mind you. I mean, I love sci-fi stuff, fantasy, mm -hmm. horror, all that stuff. But kaijus and, and giant robots have always been a niche market, especially here in the West. They've been just a niche thing. And um, for years off and on, we would see little things here, you know, see a little Godzilla movie or whatever. You know, um, in the 50s, they tried to do, uh, America did their own giant monster movies and stuff like that. But it's always been a niche. As compared to the bigger, the bigger other stuff. And so right now at this point, started, I'll say it started, it started with Cloverfield. So Cloverfield mm -hmm. was like the, the main catalyst that triggered this whole thing. Then you have Pacific Rim. And then after Pacific Rim, then they were like, okay, Pacific Rim did so what good. But now we're going to bring Godzilla. And then Godzilla came and then Kong and then so forth. So right now we're, we're at this great place in the, in the Kaju and in, in the giant robot community where we're starting to see stuff like right now over in the Philippines. They just released Voltus V, which is like 
um, the, uh, a robot that could separate into five units. Sort of like Combatra, who was from the Shogun Warriors. But again, they, they just did a live action over in the Philippines. And I just heard word that they're planning on doing a live action Get a Robo. Like some, some person over in Japan did like their own crowdfunder um, where, they, where they're trying to raise money to do Get a Robo, which is the Star Avengers that were here. And which they could turn into, you know, robots and stuff. And then, um, which I was like, why don't you, you know, oh, why are you over there? The you dragon should... toy I have is from yeah. From Star and they Avengers. should they yeah. should have they should have did another one a campaign over here. They simultaneously they should have had one like here in the West because there's tons of fans here who would have been out of threw some money at that. And then you had the ones over in the East. But I, I heard it was successful. So again, you're having all these people starting to do, and, and plus the technology is advanced. Now you have all these people. Um, who are now starting to do this stuff. And and that's why, like, Codgers and Cowboys, the potential that it could be something that could be really fun. I mean, you know, me and Matthew have sort of joked about the idea of, you know, how it would be if it was animated or live action or whatever. But the possibilities are so out there. I mean, to see something live action with giant monsters and, it's you know, and things like that, it can be done now. So, yeah, I'm excited. <laughs> I was acting like a giddy schoolgirl when I found out that uh, they had gone and made a live-action Star Blazers movie. Yes, yeah, and it was I like, watched that. It was like I have it. It was like the it was like the first like twenty five percent of the thing, and I'm I'm watching it and I'm getting more and more excited. Yeah, because I'm like I'm flashing back and remembering every single episode. I would like yep. rush home to watch after school. Yeah, they're playing. I get. Did you? You must have heard then that Netflix is doing Gundam. They're doing a live action Gundam on Netflix. And wow. Gamera, they're doing a Gamera animated show that's coming on Netflix as well. So we're 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 right now in the epicenter of a vast storm of just like goodness. That's that's in this genre. And so oh, anyone oh yeah, who's doing it should be like that. They now. did that Godzilla, that animated Godzilla. Yeah, it wasn't great it, to me, me personally. It wasn't that great. <laughs> I like I I literally like love the last like I watched it and I love the the end credits because they that in the end credits they actually like did 2D animation and it looked phenomenal. The rest of the the rest of the the um show was kind of uh, you know CG that kind of stuff. But you know whatever the case, I was like whatever you know it, it, I'm I'm happy that they did it. So that that's where I'm at. Like I can't just hate on something and be like I hate it I hate it I hate it because I know how Hollywood can be. Hollywood is very finicky. And Hollywood could easily be like, nope, we're not going to do this anymore. We'll cut it off. So then then what happens? Now, like, what am I going to do? You know, I, I'd rather be like, okay, you know what? They did this. They put it out there. Let's see what the next thing that comes along. Maybe somebody will come along and they'll do something a little bit more different. There's a it's reason like why. HBO never finishing Todd McFarlane's animated Spawn. There's yeah. also another very good reason why we didn't have any kaiju media for a very long time after Roland Emmerich's Godzilla movie. Oh well, yeah, yeah, that was that. yeah. <laughs> which, like, which, which, uh, is, actually, which is funny. That character, that Godzilla, has now gained more fame. He's become a cult classic. That's the funny irony of it. That, that they call him Zilla. That character has become a cult classic now. Because of that movie, like people are looking back at the movie, going, eh, "It wasn't that bad." That's it was pretty bad. In the community. <laughs> but 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 that's what I mean. In the community, the community's like, "Hey, look, they're starting to bring this character back." So that that's the funny thing about the fandom. Fandom shifts and change. 
You know, one one person can say something wasn't good. Another person, a new person can come in and be like, no, I like that. You know, so it's kind of, you know, th- I think that's the fun thing about the fandom. You know, that's why that's why I can't really hate on something because I go, yeah, you know, but, you know, I may have a certain feeling about something, but the other person may have something that's totally different than what I'm experiencing. You know, I'm not going to yeah. hate on that. I ain't going to throw shade on it. I mean, I remember back when we were kids. Like we take a we take a break from playing ball like early Saturday afternoon. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I run down run down the basement and put on channel fifty six to watch the creature yeah. double feature. Creature double feature. That's right. Me too. Got all my Maybe. chores done. Got to watch it. Oh, got total escapism. But uh, it, was, it lasted. It, it lasted. It was like I think they did two movies. So it was like four hours. Four hours of just. Like and you're coming four hours after watching like Sunday Saturday morning cartoons. So you got Saturday morning mm-hmm. cartoons. There's a little break, and then it was like, okay, now you got this, these movies and stuff, and it's like, oh, pure escapism. You're in this world of just fantastic creatures, monsters, aliens, anything you can think of, robots. You know, oh, love it. Superheroes, because that 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 Saturday morning back in the '70s also gave us the uh, the first TV series with Shazam on it. So, yep. Oh, I love that show too. Oh, yeah. I, I actually Captain got to Marvel. Interview, I got to interview Jackson like two years yep. ago. Yep. Got to meet him and, myself. And that, uh, we, we just did it like online. Um, but it was just amazing talking to him. And I, I'm still getting comments on that video. Yeah. It's, it's got like, you know, it's, it's approaching like 10,000 views. Yeah. Nice. Why? Because so many people grew up with him. I grew up watching him. When I had the chance to meet him and stuff, I was like, I I, I told, I was telling myself mentally I wasn't going to have a fanboy moment, but I did. You know, I was just shaking and stuff. Started, you know, you stopped freaking out a little bit. And I was like, man, this is this guy's, he's Captain Marvel. I'm, I'm talking to Captain Marvel. And we, and, you know, and, and I drew this, I gave him an original piece of artwork and stuff and gave it to him. And he was like, hey, how you doing? Thank you. And I was like, wow, man. You know, but but it was it impacted me because I remember as a kid watching the show. I uh, I didn't. I to... <laughs> you don't watch the show? Well, I wasn't born then, so, oh, you, born. Oh, you know. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> it's yeah. Blu-ray now. <laughs> or if you got HBO, I, you can just watch it for great. Yeah. Um, I, I was able to, in case he comes around again, plus I wanted it from my own collection, I got to snag one of the big giant treasury editions, the one that's got the photo cover of Jackson in costume. Yeah, I got that one too. On the front, he cover. signed it. Yep, I had him sign it. So I'm just just like excited about that. But something else oh, I'm yeah. excited about. What Kajis and Cowboys? That's the one. <laughs> and I had it up here, and what happened to it? It disappeared on me. But that's okay. Oh, did we get somebody? Hey, RJ and panel. Hey, what's going on, Lorenzo? Hello. Hey, buddy. Hey, what's going on, man? Good, what's good happening? We're talking. We're talking about Kajis and cowboys, and how how did two guys come up with a crazy story like this? Well, it all happened twenty five years ago. <laughs> You're probably wondering how we wound up at this moment. Yeah, I know. Please I pray. know. There you go. I know. Let's just let's just create this big, vast, elaborate story and stuff like. <laughs> Yeah. So and like why well, the question is I haven't I I've, uh, I'm sorry but I I haven't had anyone ask us the question of why would we create 
did somebody ask us that? Why did we create Kajis and, and Cowboys? Because Matthew wanted to do a book with you. I mean, the, the subjects we... come up every now and then, but. Oh, okay. Yeah, but yeah. Basically, basically, that's thing... basically it. Like, um, I was doing a. Uh, uh, I'm sorry. No, go ahead. No, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh no. All right. So uh, what happened was I was taking this uh, like online writing course and uh, the, the class brought in um, Brian Michael Bendis as a guest speaker. And he was talking Ooh. about how like whenever he creates a book, uh, there's always a conversation with the artist about like, what do you, what does the artist want to draw? What is the artist really good at? What do they want to draw? What do they like? Mm -hmm. And like, you know, talks, talk, he talked about uh, incorporating that into the, the comic. And I thought that's a good idea. Uh, like you know, I've been working wow. with we. I've been working with Frankie for uh, like five yeah. five years at that point. At like that we had been doing yeah. our webcomic, The Secret Lives of Villains. Yeah. And I was like, you know what? Uh, you know, we've got over four hundred strips uh, of this comic done. Let's you know uh, take a step back and try doing something else. Hey, I couldn't help but notice that Frankie's a really big kaiju fan. Can't imagine yeah. how I think <laughs> that one out. And so you know, I know hey. Huh? <laughs> Let, let's, you know, make a kaiju story. And yep. uh, then you sent me an email uh, saying, like, you know, you really wanted to do something with, like, a Western. And then I was like, okay. And, like, I, I, like, I, I remember where I was. I was. I was waiting for a bus after work. And I was like, okay, kaijus, yep. Western, mm -hmm. cowboys. I mean, you can't really have an actual cowboy fighting a kaiju because that just wouldn't work. But what if the cowboy was a robot? <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> yes. Well, I, well, I mean, my only note to uh, Frankie was that, uh, you know, I want uh, a cowboy who's a robot and he has a duster made of kaiju skin as he wanders. So like, you know, you get, you get like, you know, the blowing, you know, the, 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 the coattails yep. blowing in the wind, that sort of thing. And, uh, you wrote back, oh my, oh my God, I love this, uh, you know, swear yeah. word. Um, and then, like, the rest, as they say, is history. Like, you know, the the, the duster, duster coat was, like, my only artistic note. Everything else is him. Like, the, the, the dreadlocks, the face, the, the, the whole oh, look yeah, and feel of the robot, that's all Frankie. So. Oh, oh B-Win? B-Win, yep. the bot with no name? I immediately yeah. had it just came to me like I, I I saw three images in my mind and it was like it was uh Clint Eastwood because I was like Clint Eastwood the man with no name and then I was like Jet Jaguar from Godzilla versus Megalon yeah and Jack Kirby's Machine Man and I have to emphasize that Jack Kirby's Machine Man because afterwards they after Jack left they end up bringing Steve Dicko on and. You know, I, I got love for Steve Dicko, but Jack Kirby's Machine Man was really, in, in you know, right there in my, my psyche. And I just I immediately started drawing this character. The face came to me really quick. And then I just said dreadlocks. I had hair. But I wanted to make that the dreadlock. I wanted to make his cable dreadlock hair like functional. So I wanted to be it like like he um, they, they actually move. So if you saw B when standing there, even if there wasn't a wind. They would slowly be moving, almost like they're calling, almost like um, like snakes, kind of, mm. you know, just really subtle. That's the way I, I would visualize it, where it was like very subtle movements, 
but he actually, you know, he can tap into other robots and stuff like that. He could use them offensively if need be. I mean, there's a lot of potential in there, what he can do with them. And uh, yeah, there's uh, one question before I forget it again. I saw the the uh, the review for the book. Okay. From uh, that Aussie gentleman. Yes. Oh, so don't help and, us. Yeah, great guy. Yep. So how did it make you feel when he compared Kaijus and Cowboys to Attack on Titan? Um, I didn't feel, you know, the, one of the things I liked about his his review, though, I, I liked was that it was very, like, what's the word? It, it, I, I, I thought it was on point. And when he did compare it to Attack on Titans, I don't see it as Attack on Titans. But it was interesting that he saw that as that way. And, I mean, I can't control the, you know, how somebody sees something a certain way or whatever we both we both know that is it is far from attack on titan i think that the, his comparison on attack on titan was based on the fact of the township and that it had a wall yeah behind the wall yeah yeah so so yeah so to me i think that he just had this kind of what's the word visceral reaction to it we saw that and he said oh what's the next thing that's out there that's like that oh attack attack of titans that's a fair that's a fair assumption of it you know, but overall, I loved how he was very poignant on it and stuff and how he was talking and explaining about it. I thought that was really like, I was like, wow, that's a pretty fair assessment of it, you know. But yeah, yeah. I, and I like, was, like, like, like the, the, the tiny thing going up, uh, going up and fighting the giant thing. Like that's, that's, that's one of the, like my, my favorite sort of like tropes. It's like, you know, the, the, the big thing loom, looms over like, you know, the, the small and significant, uh, you know, humans or creature and the, the, the little ones like what bring it, come on, come on. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I'm, and so, yeah. yeah. No, no, I, 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 I was mean, gonna say like, yeah. Yeah, I, I lost. I sort. I sort of lost the. Uh, stopped watching Attack on Titan after like season one. But like, oh, man, yeah, there's, there's. Ooh. Yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. Attack on Titan. Attack on Titan is so man. I, like, I have some of the mangas. I haven't got all the mangas, but I've been watching the, the the movies that have been coming out, and it is so not what I thought it was supposed to be. That's what. That's how incredible yeah. it is. Because you think it's one thing. Because before I'm like, oh, okay, and they say, okay, I get it, and I was like, it's cool, but then they took it to the next level, and 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 I'm telling you, Matthew, was it last week? Yeah, last week, Matthew was talking to me, and he sort of did another uh, overview of where he where he's taking the story because it's 12 issues. That's another thing we're doing a 12 issue series, and he was he sort of gave me a rundown of where he wants to take it, and Kaiser the Cowboys is not what people think it's going to be, and I and I love that. I, and I love that. Even for the point of, you know, with, with CMB win as a cowboy and all this stuff, and even though we even call it Codgers and Cowboys, it's totally different. Once you immerse it in, once you start reading it, it's a totally different experience than what you think it is, which I love. Because that's how books should be in a certain degree, where it's kind of like you think you're going down one avenue and you go, oh, okay, all right, you Be-talk. know. A little, de- a little detour. And the thing about it is I think it's going to be a very subtle thing. It's, it's sort of like Attack on Titan in that degree, I suppose, because watching Attack on Titan now, because I'm close to the last movie, they got to release the last movie, and um, it Attack on Titan, it just it, it went a whole other way than I thought it would be. It was just like, oh, my God, it's incredible. So I, I, I'm, if we could even get that close, <laughs> I'd be a very happy camper. If we can get to that level, I'd be like, all right, all right, we'll take it. 
But again, the fans will let us know. I think that's what the thing that's um, exciting me more is just people getting the books. That's what I honestly, that's what I care the most. Like people are asking, oh, you know, looking at the campaign now and it's not really the money. It's really, I want to see the books in the hands of people. Yeah, that's you want you want to get your story yeah. out in front as, as many yes. times as you can. A hundred people. I want a hundred people. If anybody out there, I want a hundred people out there. I want I want a hundred people to have it, and then more than just a hundred. Next time, two hundred people. I want more, I want people to just have it in their hands so that if they have a kid or a niece or nephew or somebody like that, they happen to come across it, they pick it up, they read it. That's that to me is is the joy. That's that 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 that, that wonderful light that I want to. You know that I feel that I want to um, get from this this experience. And as and corny as that sounds, bugging you on social media, uh, I need some back issues. I got like issue five gifted to me, <laughs> and I gotta read more. I gotta know how this started. Well, I've already started. I'm starting to get that because we we released some images and people have gone like they've gone onto the um uh to the campaign page and they've seen certain things like our new stickers and they go, well, who's those characters? And I'm like, well, you gotta read it. You know, I've been saying like me, me and me and Matt have taken a, a vow of, of silence <laughs> about you know, unless you until you read it, and then we'll we'll talk about it. So it's so it's a process. You get the book, you read it, and then we can start you know sort of telling little things about it and explain a little bit thing you know stuff about it. But I'm I'm getting that already. I'm getting the little DMs like, what's this about? What's going on? Why is this character this way? I had one person who um, contacted me. And they were asking me, um, I'm, I'm assuming that it was a, a kid, a young kid, but they were asking me, like, um, when, when are we giving B-Win a name? And I thought it was the most awesome thing. Like, they were just like, yeah, but should he have a name? And I was like, well, that's his name right now, you know? <laughs> but I said, but I thanked them. You know, again, I said, I thank you, because that shows that they're, they're inter- they were interested enough to reach out to contact me about it. And that, to me, is very humbling. I mean, yeah. you know, some... It, it, People don't have to care about it, you know, but but they're showing that they are, that they do. And so that to me is like, you know, the thing that keeps this fire going. And speaking of the fire. Ah, oh, the fire. Here we go. Where are we at? 53 people. All right. All right. 53 people. Uh, already passed goal, which is always nice to see. Yes. Uh, you're sitting at $2,275. Yes. With uh, still twenty days to go, it's not too still bad. Still got twenty days. Yep. Yes, yes. That that one hundred mark. As soon as you hit it, you'd be like, okay, now we got to hit two hundred. Yeah, I mean, I would like I said, I would love to see. It's fifty three. I would love to see a hundred. Like this, like that this is my favorite right image right there. Yeah, Wilfred. That's that's right my favorite is. picture. I'm I'm telling people, I'm like, I didn't tell him to take that picture. Wilfred is a guy over in the Philippines. He's a um. He, he's a sculptor. Like he, he makes robots. He makes these wooden sculpts, these wooden robots. And he's a massive collector. And he, he contacted me, DM me uh, through Facebook and said, Frank, um, I got this picture. And he sent the picture to me. And I was like, dude. And yeah, I was blown away. It was a great picture with him just sitting there reading it with this vast collection behind it. And I said, hey, man, um, we're going to have a campaign coming. Is there any way we could use it and stuff? And he said, sure. And I said, OK, we're going to credit you um you know that that you're the person in it and stuff and and i thank them for it but that right there i will that's what i want i want to see more people like once they get the books and stuff like that please take pictures please you know um we got variant covers blank variant covers we want to see fan art 
all that stuff. That too, that's the whole reason why comic why fandom exists. You know, that's what I want to see. Send them to me and send them to Frankie. Uh, we're both yes. very active on Twitter. Well, fairly yes. active on Twitter. Mm. Yes. But we, we, we check our Twitter accounts on a fair, on a regular basis. Yes. Uh, that's probably the best way to do it. Uh, but other than that, you know, there, there's also, you know, Facebook and it's so easy to talk to people these days. Yes. And yet yes. no one wants to talk anymore. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Can we just do the whole interview by text? No. Yeah, no. Oh, I'm not comfortable <laughs> talking to people. No, I'm like, no. Well, I'm sorry. But, uh, and of course, yeah. I didn't notice Wilfred at first. I just noticed, I go, oh my God, is that a, is that my Mazinga Z from when I was a kid? Uh, and, and, you know, it's so funny because I've had a few <laughs> people do that. And I'm like, what about the comic that he's reading? <laughs> Not now. I'm still trying I'll, to name I'll crop the it so he's more center next time. No. <laughs> and and then I told you I started drooling because I I saw a grandizer. Yeah. And I was like, Ugh. I was like Homer Simpson looking at a donut. Well, what 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 that picture tells me is that somebody who loves collecting these robots and stuff is reading our book, because that's what our book is about. And that that's what that's what when I saw that picture, I said, wow, that's that's the heart of what we're about. Like somebody who truly loves robots and Kajis as well. Like I want to see somebody next, that's the next level. Find somebody who has a Godzilla collection or Gamera with these monsters. Have it right and take a nice picture with you reading our comic in front of in front of your collection. You know, because then that that says right there that you are a you are a fan, you are a fan of the genre and that that you're enjoying something that now, you know, something that we've done that is now part of that genre. Well, better yet, have your Godzilla, giant Godzilla toy holding the book. Better yet. Hey, I love that idea. That's even better. That's even better. <laughs> I mean, that what a rush. Ah, oh, there he goes, Doc. <laughs> so the first thing when I was looking through this campaign that I saw, I go, yeah. oh, got to add on that patch because I've got the last one. Yes. Yes, you get the dock patch. So I'm like, this this is just a, a cool looking robot. Yeah, and this is it's funny yeah. the little story. He's, he's the, the um, yeah. He, he's nope. he's sort of like the uh, the audience surrogate uh, of the of the story. He's like you know he's he the um, I so I originally wanted him to be like the Sam Wetwicky. Uh, like you know, you know Transformers, and like you know all the all these cartoons had like a little snot-nosed brat who was like you know the 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 one the kids could relate to. Uh, but we very quickly decided that uh, the audience surrogate was going to be a little more like grown-up looking, hence you know the goatee and bowler hat. Uh, but yeah, like you know he he's he's the, uh, the, the he's he's the Luke Skywalker of the. Uh, of the comic like you See, know he, I, I he's the one that holiday. like i was gonna say doc holiday from Toon well that too yeah well, like that I, too like my because like my doc my, your huckleberry there, there you go you know he is <laughs> <laughs> no but my first thought it was funny because after we had had that conversation i had just finished watching the clone wars and i and i saw how r2d2 was just so capable and, and it's so weird because i remember having an r2d2 like remote control figure when i was a kid yeah. And I and I love just because he was a robot, and you know I wasn't a hardcore Star Wars person, but I loved the droids, I loved the robots because they were robots. So I was like, oh, these are cool. 
But watching the Clone War and sitting there going, wow, I thought two can do a lot of stuff. And then all of a sudden my mind was like, yeah, but Herbie the Robot 2 was pretty cool in um, Fantastic Four. He was capable. And so my thoughts started going on Doc. I was like, Doc should be capable because if he had to repair a robot, say, like on a mountain, how would he reach that robot? How would he get to him? Um, you know, he's not built like a hunter bot who's much more tougher because they, they're built to, you know, fight up against Kajus, but he would be durable enough, you know, to be able to save, like to get into some combat areas to save a robot or whatever, or work on that robot oh, yeah. um, to get the job done. It's almost like Ratchet, Ratchet, who was in the um, Transformers. He yeah. was like the Transformers medical uh, guy. So he was out there in the battlefield. You know, he all, you know, he would pull out his weapon and be like, okay, I gotta, I gotta do some harm against those um, Decepticons. So that's how I started looking at Doc in my mind, where he's, you know, he's he's this character who may not look like he's capable, but he is very capable. Yeah, it, so his his uh, to me was was the design on the arms, because mm -hmm. it's classic, got, you know, medical apparatuses, and it's yep. like you know we've seen these arms obviously on Doc Ock. And, yep, there uh, you go. Yeah, the elongated arms, classic and, John and Byrne, Inspector Gadget. Mm -hmm. Well, exactly. the, the, the there there are bits in the um, uh, the the first issue number one the the one that you can get uh, that sort of remind me of the there, there's that scene in Ghost in the Shell where you have the the computer with the the fingers. Yep. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. And like oh, yeah. yeah that like that that's the also interface. part of it. So yeah. So like there's a there's a lot of that. Like I mean yeah like Doc is the audience surrogate and like he he's capable. He's yeah, he like Doc's absolutely capable and like he's very good at fixing things, but he's also very much like, you know, he he's he's only, you know, known the, the only world he's ever known is the world inside his little bubble. And yeah. like his bubble gets violently broken when a giant monster just bursts through the wall like it's nothing. Yeah. And then he meets, you know, the the hunter who's, you know, quiet you know, stoic, traveled, who knows what's, who has like a, a bigger idea of what's going on. And Doc's like, take me with you. And the hunter just is like, okay. Uh, he doesn't say that, but like, you know, he just sort of accepts it. And so like, you know, that, that, that's how, that's how they meet and that's how it all starts out. And then yep. it all just, you know, ramps up and it just keeps going and going and going. And like, one of the things I absolutely love about uh, Frankie's artwork and it's something that I like about, about comics in general. Uh, and like, this is like, you know, um, it, it the, the motion, the energy of yes. like, you know, being able to see like, you know, like all this stuff happening and all this stuff going on. And just like, like, I, I love it when a comic makes me feel exhausted after reading a page. Like if that, if that makes any sense. So like, you know, like seeing like, you know, Oh, like, you know, this character comes in and you know sweeps the leg and then another and then like you know you can feel like every punch you can feel every impact and it's just like ah like that yeah I, for, for someone the, who uses the bronze age. Yeah. yeah for someone this who wants to use uh, words yeah. for a living i i'm not very good at them at the moment but yeah yeah just, but like, that but you're just, you know, you're just saying that's that's what the bronze age comics like when i'm when i'm drawing i'm thinking of Although I love Jack Kirby, but I'm thinking of Herb Trimpey when Herb Trimpey did his work on the Shogun Warriors and on the Godzilla. But then also John Byrne. John Byrne's runs 
his artwork for me was you know the x-men but it was fantastic four in the back of my mind that's all I'm th- i even have the books that's i got favorite I have some, run of yeah FF. i i have a lot i have the visionary the visionary books i think that's what they're called and i've been sort of going back looking at how john byrne laid out his scenes the energy in those pages like mm-hmm. when john byrne would show somebody get punched it wasn't just like a soft little punch it was like you know bam and their bodies like flying through like buildings and things and i'm like that's the kind of level of stuff i want to do because i think it's exciting it's energizing i want people to once they put it down they're just like oh my god what did i just see you know it's exa- yeah, just like what, certain- what matt said he's exhausted yeah you're like oh yeah. my god <laughs> there was i remember certain books in the bronze age for me mm-hmm. um it would take me hours to read a book yeah because I would read the two pages or the one yep. page if it was going into a commercial break. Sure. Uh, and I'd read it and then I'd go back and spend hours just staring at the picture. Yeah, exactly. To find out what really happened. I go, okay, I read yeah. the words, but what's the page telling me? Oh, yeah. John, John, to me, and trust me, there was a lot of tremendous. I mean, you can Sal Buscema, John Buscema, you, those people like that. But I mean, for me, John Byrne was so powerful with his artwork because there was, there was a lot of energy. Like he would do these scenes, man, where you're like, oh my God. Like I remember the classic scene where um uh what's it, Gladiator? When yeah. Gladiator picks up the backs of the building and, and just the angle of it, like he picks the you know, you sit there and you go, How would anybody else draw that? But John Burr, you see the whole view, the perspective of it, and, and he's lifting it. Or like when um the classic scene when uh uh Terex, when Terex tried to uh Doctor Doom tried to get the cosmic force or whatever and um he built terex a suit power terex cosmic. the power cosmic and terex mm-hmm. flies to new york and i know any um i think he attacks the thing and he punches the thing and i want to do this scene some some way i'm going to do it but he punches the thing and the way john byrne decided to show it was from a a, a, a bird's eye view like buildings and you just see the thing's body going through buildings like a bunch of buildings, then he falls, then he changes the angle, he cuts to an angle, and you see the thing falling from 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 an insane height, and he crashes into a, a car, and that's where he lands. Like he lands right into a car, and it's like, oh my god! Like it's just, it, it, it's it's mind blowing, the stuff he do. So that's what I'm thinking of when I'm drawing these pages. You know, I'm yeah, taking like- I'm taking what Matt Matt writes, and then I'm saying, okay, let me see if I can embellish because that's what I'm doing. I'm just building off of what Matt's laid out. For me, I think any issue of the Fantastic Four that has Thing fighting Hulk, mm, yeah, is just true. a tremendous, uh, you know, a tremendous fight scene from from cover to cover for the most part. You know, yes. Well, that's the yeah. thing. Comic books are supposed to be about, you know, like their story. Clearly, their story. Clearly, there's stuff we're underline, underneath you're reading it. But at the high point of it, it's about entertaining. Mm-hmm. You get a comic book, you get entertained. You know, you want to see scenes where characters are engaging um, whatever obstacle they're up against. And then and then while, that's, while they're engaging that obstacle, then there's all these little things in between. You know, these little nuances or whatever that you may learn from from certain things or whatever. Subtext. There you go. Subtext. Like for me, one of the major scenes for me in the Chris Claremont run on X-Men, and it's as corny as it sounds, but I love the scenes where um, Logan and um, and Kurt would just be chilling in the kitchen, you know, having a beer. Yeah. As small as that is, 
You know, as small as that is, it's and small, it wasn't. A, but it was huge. It was huge. It was a huge thing because of his his character development. Yes, on, on exactly. the Paramount years, uh, made them you know into you know bred a life of their own. They they were like a fan to me. What I loved about it was like like family. Yeah, like the X Men were a family. Like they were like they, you know, and they were like it's us against this world that that hates us. This kind of thing or whatever, and we got to stick together. That kind of mentality. But it was a little little things like that, like seeing them just chilling. They're having a moment, and they're just chilling and talking and whatever. I was like, man, that's you know. But then that would switch over to them in about the, in the danger room, <laughs> and then you see the danger room or, or some some villain burst through the thing or whatever, and it's like, oh, we got to run off. So it, so it wasn't something that 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 lasted long. It was just a panel you know maybe a panel a page and you just see them just you know hey hey kurt how you doing how was the day and they're just having a beer and then it's done and then they move on to other stuff yeah uh, it was it was just it was just a lot better in the book than uh that time the x-men appeared on spider-man and his amazing friends mm-hmm. and for for some reason wolverine was australian yeah and all he could do was <laughs> offer people a piece of fruit yeah, <laughs> the end of his claw. <laughs> they tried. I remember the X Men cartoon too. There was another one that they released. It was really good. The artwork was insane. Um, I don't think they've ever released it like on DVD or or uh, Blu-ray. But there was a. It was called the um oh something Pride, the Pride of the X Men. Oh, Kitty Pride yeah. of the yeah. X Men. Well, yeah, but it was called Pride of the X Men. That was the name of the uh-huh. animated. Um, it was like a, a a pilot. It was like a pilot that they put out. And it um and it was called Pride of the X Men, and you I guess on you you might be able to find it on YouTube, but it was really amazing. Like the artwork was incredible. I mean, and and it was definitely um, yeah, uh, not Sumbo. I think the animation house, but it was definitely like you could tell it was from Asia, the, the, the Asian market kind of the design mm-hmm. and stuff like that. But it was really well done, and they only did like one, uh, like one episode. Well, it was a pilot. And that was yeah. it. And that's unfortunate because I think they also had Jubilee in it too, I think. No, it wasn't. No, Jubilee wasn't in it. Sorry. It was just it was just Kitty. I remember uh there was a there was a Star Wars animated clip going around, and it looked a lot like like Robotech Star Blazers. Yeah, I saw that one, yep. And I'm like, and I saw it again the other day and I reposted it. I'm like, this is the Star Wars we need. Yeah, that was pretty. It was pretty good. It was actually, yeah. Again, it was a, a Japanese take on it. Yeah, yeah, like this scene right here, like the one where I did the die cut of the uh, the the planet, the mm-hmm. die cut of the planet to sort of go. Because I was trying to find a way, uh, and and again, it's an old technique um, for a lot of books back then, where you just kind of just you, you want to immediately go right into the planet, like the way these robots are. So you have, I wanted to show people that you have this arc that's hovering above the planet. But then all of a sudden it's like a cutaway where it's like boom, now we're now we're on this planet with these robots and stuff who are building this township. And of course, a, a lot of people are loving the fact that I'm bringing back the whole thing of the the special effects. Like I like I'm not a letterer, <laughs> but I love but I love doing the special effects sound effects because they're they're part of the art and that's how yeah. it used to be back then. Yeah, that yeah that that it was. Um... What's interesting is that like when, when we uh, coordinate on the artwork, what happens is I'll write a script and like I, I like to describe it as sort of like the Marvel method, but enhanced. Yes. 
like I'll send a script into Frankie and uh, Frankie will read it. And then like the, the, there, there are moments in the script, uh, there are moments in the artwork that are not, that don't match up to the script. Uh, and so like Frankie puts like his own spin on it and then sends it back to me and then I'll take a look at it and I'll make uh, edits as necessary to the script yep. before I send it off to uh, Mike, Mike Stock, who's the letterer. And yep. like 99.9% .9 of the time, it actually makes it better. Uh, so it's, it's like, you know, it, 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 you know, going back to like, you know, Stanley and Kirby, it's like, you know, that that's how they operated. Like yeah. Kirby, like, uh, Lee would give uh, Kirby a broad outline of what they wanted to do. And then Kirby would take that and just like craft this amazing comic book out of it. And then, yeah. you know, Lee would add the letter, uh, words in later. I think yeah. the, the famous story goes is that like when they were, uh, coming up with the, uh, the Galactus arc, uh, Stan Lee was Stan, Lee and Kirby were hanging out in the Marvel offices. Lee was hammered drunk uh, because that's what you did back then. And <laughs> uh, they they were talking about you know what are we going to do next? Do next with the Fantastic Four? And then Lee was like, I don't know, have him fight God. And then out of that, Kirby created Galactus. So wow. like. There's there's a bit of that going on, you know. Not well, not not to toot our own respective horns, but like yeah. very much well, also, a joint yeah. venture. And it's very much a conversation. Yeah. Well, also I, I tend to write a lot of notes. So. so if I draw something, then I end up sending Matthew like this big thing that like literally the note page notes of why I did what I did, so that he can see it. So that so it's not like it's something coming out of like it's like oh wow this is really weird or whatever and such and such it's like oh yeah but, but this is the reason why I did this and such and such and so it gives him a sense because I want I want him to have an understanding of what what my thinking yeah. was yeah. behind it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and these are all pages and like from the first I mean issue. like uh, yes these are all pages from the first issue. Yes, they are. And then if you scroll keep scrolling down there's a couple more uh pages from the second issue as well but like you know the, we're, we're not spoiling anything we're not spoiling a whole lot and also another good thing to to, to people out there um that are that are watching and listening but yeah I, um, this, I would say this that one's our my, books are, this was my favorite yeah, yeah that the thing about it is that in the most cases i know a lot of people are fearful of these crowdfunding campaigns yeah. because they're like well you know the, you know you guys are just you know, just creating a few pages and then where's the rest of the book is going to take two years, three years to get it. No, <laughs> we've, these books are already done. You know, it's right now, I think the lettering, like we're close to wrapping up the lettering. No, 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 no. Yes. Yes. Oh yeah. No, the, the, the lettering for issue two is all set. Uh, oh, okay, that, nice. that, that, uh, that, that was done a couple of weeks ago. Um, we have, okay. yeah, we have, uh, the artwork for uh, issue six, all all done as well, wow. and I'm putting the finishing touches on the script for issue seven. Like I have like three more pages left of that, so it's like that. That is that is a huge pet peeve of this amazing book. You put it on uh, Kickstarter, and like you know it, it raises all this money, and then nothing. It's crickets for like. 
six months to a year yeah. and you'll get an update if you're lucky. Yeah. And it's that's like, no, good. no, that that's, that's it's bad good. business. It's, you know, it's, yep. it's disrespectful to the customers. And so, yep. yeah, we're not doing that. So, and it's like, uh, I, th- I don't remember who I was talking to at a convention, but like we were talking about crowdfunding and like he said, yeah, no, 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 you're not, you're not raising money to make the book. You're raising money to recoup the costs that you, the co- costs of making the book because the book's already made. Yeah. Um, so yeah, issue one and issue two, they're all set. They're always click print. Like the second the money hits your bank account, like we're, we're uh, we've got it. So like you, yeah. you're gonna get the rewards in a reasonably reasonable time frame. Yeah, yeah. The, on, the only wild card really is how long it takes to ship everything. Yeah, our yeah. track work has been pretty so, good. What we we we've been mostly like what a month. It takes like uh like after the campaign is ended, we've been able to get stuff out like fulfillment. Well, after I've done commission, like a couple like months. If I, yeah, like a couple yeah. like what two? It's like two months, two two three, or less. Yeah, so that, that sounds right. Yeah, we're talking a matter of months and a matter of years. Like the last issue, I got I got mine in like five six weeks because you were yeah, still doing, it wasn't long. You, yeah, you were still doing cards. Yeah, plus plus like big, bigger commissions and stuff. So. Yeah, yeah, because I mean that's it's, yeah for the people for the people who didn't get commissions, of course, their stuff their stuff's gonna get out really quick. Mm-hmm. But you know, again, you think about that number though. You're looking at a range of like. A few weeks to you know whatever. Even if it was to go like two months or three months, that's still pretty reasonable. In that time, knowing that you're going to oh, yeah. get your stuff in a pretty reasonable time. So yeah, of course so we pride ourselves. So I have a bit yeah. of a time schedule because we're going to be uh, launching another crowdfunding campaign in a within uh, this year as well. So it's like you know, no rest for the wicked, as it were. Yeah. Um, so. <laughs> It's like, so congratulations, here's issue one and two. Now, here's the Kickstarter for issue three. <laughs> well, we figured we already had the artwork for issue six already done. <laughs> we might as well throw another book in there this year, too. Well, well, that's the thing. It's like, yep. you, you know how it is. Back in the day, comic books were based on volume. You know, that, yeah. was, the, that was the success of the books, you know, in the, back in the olden days, where it was like, they were trying to get as many books out. That's why they pumped out so much stuff, romance novels, horror, sci-fi, anything they could. And they were just like, I remember books come out monthly, you know, monthly comic books where they just like yeah. pumping and pumping out because it's a volume game. That's how you build your audience. That's how you build the fandom. You know, you keep getting, you get people addicted to it, like a soap opera. You start looking at it and people want to buy more and more and they go, okay. You know, it's, it's really tough if you're only putting out, you know, one and two, or whatever a certain amount of time so if you're doing that way then you got to stay consistent you got to make sure that people know okay you're going to have it out by this time say in the springtime then i know the next one's going to come in the fall time you know that kind of thing it definitely has changed the way the market has yeah i think uh, as far as like indie comics like you know guys using cowboys yes um i would say like that 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 the uh (laughs) that the uh the goal would probably be to at some point get up to like basically putting it out as a quarterly. Hmm. That's a good idea. Well, I mean, we initially started as a uh, bi-monthly, like that, that was the initial plan back. uh, Like we, we did um, the, the, after we conceived the series, we did uh, 
we were approached by a publisher, Second Sight, and uh, like it, it was, it was a pretty good uh, working relationship we had with them. But unfortunately, it didn't work out. Like they wanted to take uh, their, uh, their their publishing line in a different direction uh, from ours, and so it's like you know we we just you know we all mutually decided to part ways. Um, and like it was great, and like you know, Second Sight is, is a great company, and you guys should check it out. Um, but like, you know, we were like, you know, we have all this stuff. Cause like, you know, we like 2022, like we were like pedal to the metal, go, 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 go. We have like, if we're going to do this bi-monthly, we have to get like, you know, a certain number. It's like, we're going to be releasing these books bi-monthly and it takes a certain amount of time to get each book done. So we have to make sure we have a certain number of books done, uh, in order to, uh, meet the schedule and get the artwork in. And so, uh, and like when that sort of f- fell uh, fell apart, it was like you know okay we have all this stuff so let's you know yeah. start you know doing this and I think like uh, what 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 are we, what are we planning to do uh, two like two kickstarters a year? Well, well yeah, I think the thing about Hopefully. it is that we we had a talk because I I think one of the problems that I see for many people trying to do this kind of stuff is that there's a level of whether or not you're trying to do it to put out quality work or you're just trying to put something out. And I think there's a lot of indie books that unfortunately they, they hurt because people are trying to rush stuff out. They're just rushing, yeah. rushing, rushing. And we've seen it. I've, I've gotten, I've bought books that the writing wasn't as strong and the artwork was just horrendous. It was just horrendous artwork where it needed the time. It needed to flourish. And so the thing was for me is that, Production time is so important. It's almost like if you look at movies, you look at movies, you look at uh, TV shows, everything has a production time. And I mean, it's not just one month or two months. It could be six months to a year that they'll be working on a project just to be like, okay, this thing has to be right. That means that, oh, God bless you. That means that we have to, that means that we have to make sure that everything is tight. Everybody feels good about it. It looks good. And now we can put it out there, you know? And so, for me, that was the, that was my main agenda. I didn't I didn't want to put out something that was going to be just shoddy, that was going to be like you just put it out. You're asking people for money, and you're sitting there going, "Yeah, you know what? I only gave fifty percent because that's what fifty percent looks like. Fifty percent looks like something that's just hobbled together." To me, I didn't want to do that. What's the point of even doing anything like that? So the key thing is that if you, if you put out quality, then People will be reasonable. You know, I've seen great, great books where people have said, okay, we'll wait a little bit for it. The thing is that you don't want it to be unrealistic. You don't want the wait time to be so unrealistic where it's just years, years, years. But you give, you, you know, because again, look at the books that are coming from the mainstream or, 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 from, the, or from the second stream. Uh, stuff come from Scout, stuff's coming from Boom Studios, stuff coming from Image and whatever. That doesn't look like they're just hashing. Most of those books that they're doing, they're done months, if not a year in advance. So, so one team is working a year in advance to put something out that you just get at, at a certain time, you know. So the thing about it is that if if they're doing that, then the indie comic book has to do that level as well. They have to have some kind of production level like that. So you're pulling out solid quality work. Yeah. Prior planning per- prevents piss poor performance. Yes. Yes. But the thing that I look at from like a reader's perspective and a collector's perspective mm-hmm. is. We're so used to being able to go to the comic shop every week yep. to pick up, you know, our small to ridiculous amount of comics. Sure, sure. And uh, so we, you know, we're in the monthly thing, 
and then we switch over and start grabbing indie comics that are like, wow, this is amazing. Yeah. But you don't, you also got to keep pushing your online presence for the book exactly. and, and everything else because even if the book isn't forgettable and it's very memorable, if you're waiting like a year or so in between issues, you might Ooh, have forgotten about it and moved on yeah. to something else. Yeah, that's rough. That's a rough one. I yeah. I, I, I don't know how anyone could do that. Like those those years, when you start getting the years, that's a whew, that's a tough one. Yeah. Yeah. Cause there there are like there's a lot of people that do like you guys that don't even start a campaign on Kickstarter until basically the whole book's in the can. Yeah. Uh, I know uh, I know like three or four creators uh, right off the top of my head. I know uh, Silverline won't yep. start a campaign until the book's already done and in the can and Which they decide smart. how they're going to you know, yeah. do it. It's like, it's all set. All I got to do is hit enter to the publisher, yeah. to the printer rather, and be like, okay, um, I need like 10,000 copies. That's the last thing you want to have to deal with is like working on a comic like during a campaign and don't have all your pages and everything set. And then all of a sudden, just life. Let's just say life situations come into effect. Oh, yeah. Where like the artist, all of a sudden the artist goes, hey, man, I'm sick. Or something happened or whatever. You don't want to have to deal with those things that start creeping in just after you got the money. And now people are expecting something from you. You don't want to be at the other end of that where all of a sudden there's life issues that get in there, you know? So no, no, I think, I think we're, I think we're on a good path and stuff with this. And, um, and, and what's making it more exciting is that I'm starting to see more people that are starting to do, do the same similar thing too. So if we can all keep doing this, then I, I think we're going to do pretty good. I think everyone's going to be able to, 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 to sort of excel with this new sort of revolution that's happening in the indie market. Yeah. Um, what I did want to mention is uh, one of the creative teams that I found to be excellent at keeping in touch with their fan base is uh, Matt and Steph from Insymmetry. Insymmetry. Um, hmm. they, what, book uh, did, what book do they do? They do a few books. They, they've started books that have actually launched in a scout magazine. Okay. And then they've actually continued that in like floppy form afterwards. Oh, nice, nice. Scout, Scout was putting out like a, a kid's format, uh, you know, young adult format, kind of like a highlights magazine. Sure, like, sure. Like that size and page count. Sure. With uh, different activities in it and, you know, stories, mm -hmm. you know, a complete issue or two in the, in the magazine format. Oh, wow. Um, to, to introduce the characters. And if they went over well and they got a good response from people, then they would move forward with actually turning that strip into a, oh, that's smart into a floppy, which which so sort done. of like a, um, a weekly shonen jump thing, which yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. I, that's that's what I that's what I really like about manga. It's it's they they have the the ecosystem and the mechanics all set up to like. Like, 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 not help, not necessarily help like beginners thrive, but to give beginners a chance, because mm. it's like you know you want you want to create manga for a living, like you know you start off, you usually write and draw it in like your 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 room, 
like yep. while well, you're living with your parents and you're going through tremendous burnout. But like, you know, if, if you're good enough and if you're determined enough, you can like, you know, get into a magazine and like, you know, once you know you get into the magazine, you know, maybe you catch on a little bit. So then you go to series and then like, yeah. you know, if, if that catches on, you get a anime and you know, if that catches on, they bring it over to the U S and, you know, hopefully by then you haven't, you know, killed yourself from overwork, but you know, it, yeah, the, like yeah. it's there. It's there, and <laughs> yeah. like you know, my my biggest critique with of like you know the, the Western comics genre is like we don't really have that, or like we haven't had that for a very long time, and it's like you know th th there's no real th there had there there wasn't really an outlet for like people who are just starting out who want to make comic books to you know you know, help start building an audience and get out there. Like uh, there's Kickstarter, there's crowdfunding that, that that's it mm -hmm. now, but it's, it's like, you know, th there's no weekly Shonen jump. Uh, yeah. Uh, there, yeah. There, there's, there's, there's no comic book minor leagues where you can like, you know, yeah. practice there and build. And, like, I like that. Yeah. And, I like that minor leagues. <laughs> yeah. That's good. And like the, the that's good one. like my, my biggest pet peeve with like a lot of creators today, like, especially with comic book writers is that like, mm -hmm. You know, yes, I understand that, like, you know, in order to get the attention from, like, you know, the big two or image, like, yeah, you do need to have an audience and you should, like, you know, be established. But at the same time, it's like you look at the biographies of a lot of a lot of these writers and it's like, you know, oh, they wrote novels. Oh, they wrote plays. Oh, they, you know, were journalists. Yeah. It's like, OK, that's good. Yeah. Where are the comic book writers? Because, like, you know, yeah. writing a comic book and writing a novel are not the same thing, all no screen, matter what people say. Or screenplay. Mm. There's a lot. Of, oh, there's no. a lot of screenplay. Mm. Screenplay, folks. So yeah, I know that's that's what most of these these publishers are looking for, though. That's the thing. Yeah. They're they're looking. They're looking. That's that's why I said that. I told Matt. I said, Matt, I think the thing is, is that many of these big studios have their eyes. They have their eyes on a lot of these campaigns. They're watching. Mm -hmm. They're trying yeah. to see which which one's going to be the one or whatever. You know. It, oh yeah, it, and I, it, like it, I've, it, yeah. I've I've seen some uh, Kickstarter books like show up on uh, Image, but it, mm -hmm. but it's like, and like I, I I was doing a editorial internship at Dark Horse. I did that like four years ago, and I was talking to one of the associate editors, like you know, great guy, and like you know, great conversation. And it's, it's a great company that makes good stuff, but it's like, yeah, you know, you, you really have to have your own audience before you can start, like, yep. you know, really, yep. you know, before Dark Horse will show some interest. That's and it's right. like, what use, what is, what, what are you for? Yeah. Like, what, what is the point of having a publisher? It's like, you know, yeah. like, you know, the publisher should allow a creator to be creative, but at the same time, help them. It's like, yeah. you know, that, like, yeah. I mean, that, that's, it hasn't been like that. That's the thing. It, it yeah. hasn't been like that for years. And I don't see it ever really going back because I think the thing is that's what that's honestly what they want. They want people, mm -hmm. they want you to have your own. They want to see if you can go out there and sell. Sell what you've yeah. created. So, so you're you're a salesman, <laughs> you're the creator, but then also you're the salesman. You know, they yeah. want because here's the thing: they their thing is that they want to make money. So we all we're all in agreement. This is yeah. about making money. And so the thing is, is that they're looking going, okay, well, there's a lot of people out there that have comic books, right? But are these oh, comic yeah, books like, going to be able to pull in kind of some kind of revenue? Because if it doesn't, yeah. then what's the point of having that comic book? I you think know, I, I get think, it. There's yeah, a part yeah. of me that I understand. I understand it. But, you know, it yeah. is. I, I, understand, I understand where you're coming from, too, because you would imagine. But, see, that was the old days. That was the old days of, 
you know, before, and I'm saying like pre, like mid nineties, let's say that mid nineties, cause it's change started coming during that time. But mm-hmm. it was, you know, where, where, you know, publishers were like, Hey, we want to, you know, we'll bring your board. The publishers had more clout, Marvel and them had more clout and stuff. And they were able to, they were, they were in stores, they had spinner racks, they had everything, you know, it was a, I mean, income, they were able to get a lot more stuff, but now that's, that's gone. That's gone. That, those they, days are they gone. Jim Lee and Todd on the drawing board. So, well, well, well. That's the thing. What, what was more, really sad is that then, then you probably know of that that story where where Herb Trimpey, when he tried to, and which is so sad. Like many of these great artists um, mm-hmm. who helped build a lot of stuff there. I Herb Trimpey. I guess they tried to bring him back to do a couple of stories and stuff. I think he did some Transformers stuff or whatever. But I think they were telling him to sort of emulate other artists. Oh, so yeah, they, they, yeah, they, uh, yeah. I remember there was a famous letter that was that that was that was put out. I forgot who wrote it, or he, I don't know if he wrote it, but it, him. It was just them talking about how he, somebody as great as he is, and he had to try, and he was having a hard time getting work, and they were asking him to draw like somebody else, to emulate yeah, another like, art style. Wh- whoever, the, whoever, like the next superstar was. Yeah. Say, say it was Jim. It's like, well, we want you to do the book, but we want you to draw exactly like, like Jim draws. He goes, no, one. If you're a fan of Herb, and you're buying a Herb book, you're gonna be like, yeah. Why does this look like a second-rate Jim Lee? Exactly. Oh, because exactly. you're making him draw like that. How sad I'm is like, that? Yeah, but I'm see, like, that's the bad decisions like that. Just horrible, horrible oh, yeah. decision. That's why when people talk about manga, they go, "Oh man, manga's great." I'm like, well, manga didn't do anything. Manga kept their formula the same way. It was the same recipe. They were like, hey, they looked at American and was like, what are you guys doing? You're changing your books, you're pricing out, you're pricing out your books so that they that, so that the main audience, which are kids, can't afford them anymore. It's a speculative market. You know, you you're you're destroying that aspect of it. And now guess what's gonna happen? Gaming. Gaming said, okay, comics, you left a big massive hole here. We'll come in and bring games. So, what did the kids in the western the western markets have to go to? They had to look at games, and then also they start seeing this wonderful thing called manga, which never changed the formula. Yeah. Manga never changed. They're still functioning from the formula that they had way back when. You know, yeah. newsprint, cheap. I, yeah, uh, it's black and white interiors. Yeah, full full color cover wraparound. Yep, and you're looking at like. Even though you know it's in a smaller format, yeah, and so the artwork is going to look even tighter because when you shrink it down, you know you get like a a better uh, encapsulation of the pictures. And, and well, the they pump out work. a lot of stuff. They do. They technically are doing how the Western market did back in the sixties and seventies, where Marvel was putting out like war books, uh, mm-hmm. romance novels, horror. They yep. were putting out a ton of different stuff. That's what that's shown in all that stuff is. They put out all kind of different manga. There any kind is, you want, anything you want. For any subject you can think yeah. of. Yeah, isn't Cook, that crazy? Cooking shows, fishing, yeah. you know, anything. But you're looking at $10 for a 100-page book. Yeah. Or you're looking at $7 for a 20-page book. Yeah. You gotta go for the, the the more bang for your buck. I mean, yeah. a few months ago there was a there was a store that uh, that I bought like a few things off of online, 
and they were ha they were having a sale and i just happened to catch the stream and i spotted the two fake red leather hardcovers of uh classic captain harlock okay so i got like the first two volumes of that for like with shipping cost me like 35 dollars. okay so it was basically a buy one get one free because they're like 25 dollars hardcover books wow and i'm like i go it, it's like you know 140 150 pages you know for for 20 bucks that that's like a year's worth of you know floppies from marvel or dc now i'm curious because because now do you think that seven dollars is, is too much for a 22 page comic i think seven dollars is too much for a 22 page comic from big mainstream publishers okay but from the indie market from someone from indie you, you from, wouldn't mind from, yeah it I mean, the, the the big two have uh, numbers, the the numbers game on them. Like, I mean, like, I, well, yeah, they're legacy. They're like, yeah, they got the legacy IPs. So, yeah. yeah. Well, they also have, well, they also have the backings of like two, like you know, two of the largest entertainment corporations on the face of the planet, and also couple that with the fact that like you know, when a comic book store wants to buy you know a Batman comic, like they, they have the Diamond has. Um, uh, like rewards for buying in bulk. It's like, you know, you know, buy 20 copies of Detective Comics, you can get the special comic book store variant cover yeah. for free or stuff like that. And like, I mean, like it, you really like it. I mean, I, I wasn't into comics uh, it, during the time, but like, you know, 1986 happens and you have like, you know, the Dark Knight Returns and you have Watchmen and like, it, you, the comics start to shift from being, you know, something that, you know, a kid would beg their mom to buy off a spinner rack and something yeah. that was like a collectible. It was something like, yeah. you know, special. So, you know, you would pay attention to like, you know, you know, nicer paper, you know, like yeah. deluxe editions with like, you know, hardcover or like, or leather bound stuff. Trade paperbacks were huge. And like, it, it, it was successful, but then, like, you know, 1992 happened, and then Image was founded, and then all of a sudden it became, and then, like, you know, couple that with the fact that you started having, uh, you know, people, you know, you'd have, like, news stories where, like, you know, and, like, uh, the first appearance of Spider-Man was selling for, like, you know, $100,000, yeah. and people were like, oh, these aren't books anymore, these are investments, yeah. And like, if you study, like, like if you like, there's this great documentary called uh, like the rise and fall of a comic book empire. You can find it on YouTube. It's free, and it talks about like what was happening in the comic book industry from like you know like 1989 up until uh, when did Marvel Knights come out? Like the early 2000s. Yeah. And like, um, like it, it talked about like you know Valiant which is my favorite publisher, like, you know, they're, they're mm -hmm. coming out with some awesome stuff. Uh, and, and like, they're kind of like, you know, they're back now. Like, you know, they're, they're doing a very limited, like, release schedule of books, but like the books are mm -hmm. fantastic. Um, right. And then like, you know, you have like Image where like, you know, it wasn't, you're not buying, you're not buying a Spawn comic because the story is engaging. You're buying it because it's Todd McFarlane who had this awesome, yeah, awesome, uh, Spider-Man, like all due, all due respect to Mr. McFarland, Torment was unreadable. Sorry, gonna say that. Um, and so, Torment. like you know, couple that, yeah, the, fir it, the first mm. storyline. Oh, okay, was the first okay, issue yeah, of his own. You're so popular. Okay, 
your own Spider-Man book. And it's still <laughs> sold. And they had like yep. 50 yeah. variant covers. And it's like, yeah. And, and like the, like you would like, you, you would wait for like Thor number 100 and yeah. like, you know, issue number 100 would sell better than uh, issue would sell like, you know, a hundred thousand, hundreds of thousands of copies and be like, yeah. sell better than issue 99. Well, but yeah. issue 101 would sell less than issue 99. So it, it, it was, you know, just, just the era of like gimmicks and like. The speculative market. Oh, oh yeah, it was. Like, we're, we're, now that's, where we're, that's where we're living now is the speculative market because there's so many, there's so many YouTube people with like millions of followers. Yep. That are just looking to see what's the next book I should be buying for an investment. Ah, mm. uh, yeah. See, I, see, I don't like. That. I mean, like, now, we're, well, the, we're the, the, the funny thing is, the funny yeah. thing is, is like the the reason why those books were so valuable is because that's not what that, that's not like the reason why all those uh, gold golden age and silver age books yeah. are so valuable is because they were not viewed as collectors items like you didn't yeah, exactly. buy a superman comic exactly. thinking it was going to be worth ten thousand yeah. dollars in the future you yeah. bought it and you threw it away and like you you tore off tore the pages out and like you you know kept it in your back rolled it up and kept it in your back pocket yeah like but, but it was also based on the fans see again what drove those the, the value of anything is fans Fans drive it because what they're the ones who will, who will define whether or not something's going to be of such rarity, because they're going to buy it. They're going to be all oh, the rarity of it. They'll be like, "Oh man, I have it." Like like um, I don't know, say Star Trek. You know what makes a phaser so unique? You know you get the oh my god, I got the Captain Kirk phaser, or whatever. That's all because of the fan. How much the fans want it? How much somebody wants it? The bills, the, the, the need to have it. But but yeah. you got to have a bunch of people, a lot of people behind it. To build up that sort of, you know, whatever collectible magic about it, you yeah. know, and yeah, they destroyed it, they obliterated, it. yeah. I, <laughs> and, we're, and we're living, we're living in that the shadow of that to this very day. Like we still haven't recovered for it from it. It's like, yeah. you know, the the two worst things to happen to comic books were the comic code and the speculator market of the nineties. The spe well, the the speculator bubble of the nineties, and it's like, you know, but here's, how? But here's the what do you have to? What do we do now? Well, here's the thing, though. I think we are doing it. I think one of the things about it, when I think about, say, like for us right now, we have, I look at our our, our, our campaign, and we got 53 people on it. Think about that, 53 people that are on it. And I try to, in my mind, I'm always going back to, I try to imagine how Peter Laird and Kevin Eastman must have been when they first did Ninja Turtles. How many people did they get? They, you know, I don't think that they got like a thousand people or hundreds of people or whatever. They were they were trying to push this this concept this idea called the Ninja Turtle Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles that people that was so different so so unique in how it looked and whatever to people who would see it and they didn't even have the, the internet you know they were just going to shows and whatever so I, in my mind that's how I'm thinking I, I try to keep my mind that thought I go well Frank you know it's it's it, you have to start somewhere and it has to be sometimes even a gradual thing it's like almost a drip. You know, because I think one of the things about it is that all of us, we all have to sort of get out the mentality of the microwave. You know, for some people, yes, it's going to happen quicker, whatever the reason. Now, will they last? We'll have to let the you know time tell the tale. But my feeling is that it, eventually, if you stick at it, it will build. And it's a gradual build. And you know what? I, I'd rather take that gradual build more so than the microwave effect. Because at least yeah. with the gradual, the gradual build, then I can say, 
yeah, this came from somewhere. This felt something. Like, you know, Peter, Larry, Kevin, they sit there and be like, well, yeah, look, we started from this and look where it went. Look at the journey. Look at the story that we have right here. From the point when two guys sitting there drawing these characters that were whatever, that, that weren't superheroes, superheroes in the context of what superheroes were, and then to the point where then it became an animated series and then it went further and further from there. So I'm a, I'm a, I'm a person for all for the journey. And I think that there are people that are fine, that are, that are out there. Now, I don't know how many are out there, but I do feel like that that feeling and mentality is slowly growing. I don't think it's something that's um not go, that's that's gone and stuff because you're seeing a lot more people doing it, and you st- I'm starting to see more people starting to put more quality stuff out too. And that's the most important thing. We gotta put. I don't care what your 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 style is or your style of writing or whatever, but it's gotta be quality. That's all. The best also, thing you can um, put out. It's been almost 20 minutes, but uh, hi, Hex Island Comics. Uh, apologies for the, the delay. Oh, hello. Yeah, it's, it's, sorry it's nice, about that. Nice for the comment. I mean, we, we're we passionate. We, we like to talk and like we like to yeah. ramble <laughs> on. Hey, so. what's going on? Thank you for yeah. coming, by the way. Yes. And yeah. So, and, but yeah, like it's, um, I was going to say something. Crap. Um, well, we got stickers. <laughs> we got stickers. <laughs> oh yes, yeah. We got we got stickers. I mean, like our, the 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 stance we have on merch is like because like what what I like to do is you know I have you know I have in my in my room I have just like a pile of mylar bags and boards uh, and uh, set and ready to go. And what I like to do is uh, st- like I like rewards that you can stick in the back of the bag. Just to like, because it just makes transportation so much yeah. easier. Because like, I mean, there's like, you know, th- like you know, bulky stuff like you know, t-shirts. I mean, t-shirts and all that stuff. And it's like, you know, shipping becomes yeah. difficult and becomes but then, but, but then hard. Also, but you know, but then also, what is the campaign about? It's about a comic book. Yeah, that's it's not about t-shirts. It's not about that's what that's the thing that throws me sometimes with some of these campaigns because I begin to lose sight. I'm like, well, what is this campaign for? I'm seeing all these other different accessories. And I'm like, but isn't this for a comic book? Yeah, and that gets lost, and that, and I'm like, no, no, no. I, I, I want people to come in for the comic book. The, the add-ons are just that. They're just little accessories and stuff. That it, it's nice if you get them. I mean, we want you if you, you, you want to get a commission from me. That's great. But I, ideally, I want people to get the comic book. I want you to get the comic book in your hand. I want you to read it, and I want you to oh, yeah. go, come along on a journey with us. That's the key thing. Yeah, and I like, like, I mean. It's it. So our, our so the the way we basically cl- uh, agreed on the price is uh, five dollar digital if that's your thing and uh, ten dollar physical, which is uh, which includes a healthy portion of the printing and shipping costs. Like like yeah. like I said, the shipping's the the, the hardest thing because like mm-hmm. it costs. Like we live in a fantastic time where it is so easy to get something out there and get get like attention to it that mm-hmm. anyone can do it because like i think i think the per cost uh the, the cost of printing for each book is like two dollars like it's under two dollars and fifty cents a copy for us for like full color and like you know if you went back like 40 50 years that would have been borderline impossible to see this level of quality for that for that yeah. lower price um, yeah, it would have been and like you know, five hundred dollars. Yeah, yeah, for hundred copies. Yeah, and like now, now I can get like a hundred copies for like, you know, 
two to four hundred bucks. Like it, it, yeah. it's so easy. We can do it. The, the, and like, yeah. you know, that that's that's the amazing thing about like, you know, all, all these wonderful things that we've built and created. The bad thing is, is that it's so easy. Everyone can do it. So, yeah, yeah. This, this, know, this is like a gold rush right now. It's a gold yeah. rush for comic books. My hot yeah. take that I get a lot of pushback on because it's a great time. <clears throat> if, if you're talented and want to make a comic book, go make a comic book. Because mm-hmm. right now, anybody can make a comic book. Yeah. But not everybody should be making a comic book. Yeah, exactly. That's you that's going to be the key thing. Different, you know, differentiating what is the one, the ones that can really be, you know, a solid one where you can read it and go, yeah, it's a solid book, you know, whatever the case is, a solid book. Because that's what I look for. I'm like, I'm, I'm always looking for stuff where I'm like, is this a good solid read? Then cool. I, then I feel great. I don't want to, I don't want to pick up a book and then spend money for it and then be like, oh man, why did I do this? You know? Because I, and I, and unfortunately, I, I kind of felt that a few times. <laughs> I chilled off. I've had to chill off on, on, you know, getting some books and stuff just because of that. Because I'm like, I don't, I don't want to be going through that. Mm. You know, because because another thing too, it, it gets costly. <laughs> it, 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 yes, it is an expensive hobby, and I, th- I think yeah. it was it, it was it it was a pretty expensive hobby back uh, back then too, but just in a, in a different way, I guess. But oh, yeah. I mean, twenty five like, cents for comp. Tw- I remember getting comic books for twenty five cents. Yep. Yes, but this was also a time when a loaf of bread cost a dime. So, you know. <laughs> yeah, you know, that's what I mean. It's like I could take $5 and get like a ton of books, like a ton, like whatever, and they still have change over. Because, yeah. again, the biggest thing was that they were done on newsprint and they were cheap. It was, like, it was just like you get a comic book, you can fold it up in your back pocket, you can carry it anywhere you want. Anybody could get it anywhere if it was in like, you know, store or something, spin a rack. And then the 90s came around and somebody said let's change let's flip the switch and there you go <laughs> yeah and, and, and then somebody showed up one day with something called baxter paper oh geez and i was like why is this so expensive yeah i yeah. mean i know i know it's the new teen titans with wolfman and perez but and it's awesome but why can yeah, we go back it, to newsprint and like thirty ads in a book or something. I, I always, yeah, I always go back to it. Comic books is always based on volume. It was about mm-hmm. how many people you can get to buy these books, and as soon as they started destroying that aspect of it, that was the end. You you start you cut out a massive chunk of people who are supposed to be buying those books, which was yeah, the when, young folks. You the young folks were supposed to be getting the books. Yeah, when you outprice them, uh, what they were left with if there was a comic shop in their area. Yeah, was was looking, you know, back in the eighties and nineties, they were looking for like the twenty five cent and the fifty cent and the dollar boxes, so they could get like you know one to two to three books. Yeah, and uh, and 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 do that. Most of and, the young folks that bought manga back then, now they're like what in their twenties, maybe thirties. They're still buying manga. Yep, you know they still like it. That's the whole that's the whole thing about comic books. It's a generational kind of thing. It's a constant, like you just keep the system going. It's like I I, I bought comic books when I was a kid. Then I grew up as an adult and I still bought comic books to a certain degree. That's how it's supposed to be. You you keep buying it. But what happened was when 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 that whole change, the speculative market came, I stopped comic books. I was like, I'm done. I was like, I'm not getting any more of this stuff. This stuff is insane. And I and then off and on I would buy stuff off and on but then it changed i started buying just trades i got out of getting floppies it messed everything up 
Yeah. yeah. Well, I remember when they had the big price changes in the nineties, which are nothing compared to the, you know, the, the two thousands price changes. Yeah. Oh yeah. You know, by, you know, by leaps and bounds. Um, but when it, when the books went from like 75 cents to a dollar and a dollar and a quarter, yep. I noticed people dropping off and then, you know, Marvel and DC were wondering, you know, well, last month we sold like 10 million copies of Avengers and Uncanny yeah. X-Men. What's going on? Because well, you outpriced your yeah, your your source. Yeah. Your, your Greed, source is man. this. And it was the comic shops that built them up. People started op opening more and more comic shops. A yeah. bunch failed, a bunch succeeded. Yeah. And nowadays they're trying, it seems like the like especially Marvel and DC are trying to bury the comic shops to get everything, you know, direct. And I'm like, that's not going to work. People are going to want like all their books mail order because when Marvel and DC send you books mail order now, they're folded up into like, you know, five or six pieces crunched up because they're just jamming them in your mailbox. Yeah. They're not putting them in. Like mailers. Yeah, yeah, like mailers. <laughs> well, inc incidentally, uh, when you order a book from us, we have the Gemini cardboard boxes. And I have tried. I, I, I put them through a bit of a stress test personally to Good. just see how durable they were. And yeah, yeah. it's, you know, there, there's, there's no bending here. And also, like, you know, we, we have them bagged. <laughs> we have them boarded. We have them wrapped up in the mailers. And we have, like, uh, several uh, uh, pieces of tape securing it. So that's not going to be a problem with us. Uh, but, <laughs> Most definitely. But yeah, I mean, like also like I, I, I know that, you know, the, you know, the present company is going to sort of ch uh, chafe at the bit when I say this, but I mean, I like digital. I, I, I like, I like the digital comics. Like, I mean, comiXology has really uh, screwed it. Like Amazon has screwed uh, comiXology over big time. But mm -hmm. like, I just like the idea of like, you know, going on a bus, sitting down, taking my phone out. And it's like, you know, the panel by panel view, it's just, you know, swipe, uh, like you can look at the whole page if you want to see it, but then like, you know, you just double tap and then you can just see panel by panel. Like, I like that. Uh, and like, if I had an iPad, like, yeah. you know, you can see, you can yeah. see the whole thing uh, in, you know, glorious HD color. Uh, and yes, you know, like, like I said, Amazon has, you know, decided to kill it because they're trying to like incorporate it with a Kindle or something like that. But there are, you know, the, the great thing about, you know, this world we live in is that, you know, there are other people who are willing to rise up and take over, uh, which yeah. brings me to global comics, uh, which is something that uh, Frankie and I have also talked about. And we're also like, you know, the, the, the Kickstarter is first, but we're going to start like uh, putting, you know, the, the books up on uh, global comics as well to uh, read and purchase uh, because like, you know, you, like you were saying, like you've kept getting um, uh, messages of people asking you like, you know, where they can find the rest of the books. Oh yeah. Yeah. A lot of that last year. Lot, lot so, of those questions because people, people would just because again they they see something like that and they're just like, man, we want we want more and more, of course. But, but again, we didn't have a landing page. We didn't have a page where people can just go to get it. And web pages cost a ton of money, and so we were going back and forth about it. And then all of a sudden, global comics comes out of the mix, and yeah. they've just been really like amping up. Like they've really been doing some great stuff. Again, I, I look at there's a part of me where I'm just more business. Like my mind just goes, okay, business. 
And if someone wants to read digital, I'm not going to stop them. I'd rather have right. something that's digital. I, I'm more of a traditionalist. I tend to like the, the, the tactile feel of having something in my hand and whatever. But I'm, I'm not going to I'm not going to say no to somebody who wants to also get digital. Of course not. That doesn't, that's just yeah. bad business. <laughs> you know, so so we so we're looking at global comics as being a, a, as an option for us. Yeah, we think it's a smart option. We think it's something that a great place that's you know um, going to be able to give us some more exposure, hopefully, um, and also we'll be able to reach out to new to other people as well. So that's yeah. that's the other thing that we're doing, expanding the audience that way. Yeah. Well, yeah, but I I, I think yeah, yeah. and then well, like the being print, yeah. <laughs> I like I I say like you know oh I I prefer digital but like I do both like you know I still have my box at my my favorite comic book store and like you know it it's 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 a little bit of both because like you know I mean digital it's like you know it's there it's convenient it's you know it it it's easy to you know read it Uh, but at the same time with like a comic book store it's like you know you, you go in you see things like you know there are other people around with similar interests that you can start talking to. And it's like, you know, yeah, it's like, yes, you can drink at home, but you could also go out to a bar as well. Like that, that's, that's kind of what, kind of what that's like. It's like, you know what? So, you know, there's 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 everything. Yeah. 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 Because I I mean, yeah, I'm not a fan of digital, um, but I do a lot of digital because I do, I do reviews. Sure. Um, Mm -hmm. Give my hot takes. It's like, yeah, this this book, blah blah, coming out from blah blah blah. Uh, here's a couple of pages. Uh, I'm staying away from this one, but be your own judge. Yeah. Uh, but the the plus side is you can use a search bar and bring up a book, opposed to, oh yeah. my god, how many Going boxes do I have to go through? To yeah, find exactly. This? Yeah, exactly. And like and like um, like the the DC app like uh, it's like you know oh if you liked this then check this out or like oh you like you know the the one thing I don't like about uh, modern superhero comics more than anything else is that like you know oh you're you, like you know you read uh, Action Comics number one and it sets up this you know massive event and it's like oh that sounds so cool to be and then it's like to be continued in. Uh, Supergirl number twenty seven, and like here's a, oh, a checklist the, the, of all the books you have to do, and it's like uh, no, the, the cross no, promotion it's thing, like yeah, yeah. Marvel loves I mean, I get it. doing that. Yeah, DC yeah. did it a like, lot too, but Marvel was like, okay, we're gonna have six Spider Man titles, and this story is gonna go across all of them. Oh, oh. God, plus two oh, single like, shot issues. I, I, I'm saying, right, my, my my whole feeling on everything that Marvel and DC is doing is honestly, the truth is, is that, and I, I'm calling it right here, is that I think that in a couple more years, you're going to see they may be closing their doors. I think Marvel might be. And I think that eventually they're going to become like an IP, farm, like they literally just going to farm out their IPs to various places. They're kind of doing it right now. I mean, IDW is doing some Marvel stuff, aren't they? Right, um, I, think, I think so. ID, IDW so, uh, prints uh, like all their all their like big books, like hardcover yeah. ones. Yeah, um, like all those all those gorgeous uh, artist editions. Yeah, you know. I I just think I just think that and the Claremont yeah. stuff and everything. You're, you're you're seeing people who corporations. So Disney's a corporation. 
And to and think about it, you're sitting there and you got these people who just they all they understand is business. And in their mind, they're sitting there going, hmm. All right, so you got this place in New York. I think Marvel's still in New York. And they sit there and they go, Well, how much are we paying for the rent? Hmm. How much is um it cost um whatever to keep the lights on? We got all these people there. Okay, how much is that? Okay, how many books are they really like they're selling out like their their numbers? Mm-hmm. And they they're gonna go, huh. You know what? We could we could probably save a lot more money if we didn't have this location, we didn't have these offices, and and if we could just farm those babies, those IPs. We got all these IPs. We could just send them off to somebody else, and then they pay us for the licensing fee. And I I, I, was, I, I get a feeling I got a feeling that that's going to be the way it's going to go. Yeah, I think it's slowly coming. It's slowly like they're just they're, they're slowly peppering it. Like you're starting to see it. So people aren't really seeing like people are seeing something, they go, oh my, but they're not seeing that the subtle little changes. And then eventually they're gonna get the, they're gonna they're gonna lay the hammer down. It's gonna be like, bam, this is gonna happen. I was talking to a very well-known uh writer whose name I'm not gonna say, just just mm-hmm. you know, for the for the sake of safety, but uh I was uh talking to this guy at a convention and he said, Yeah, uh Marvel and DC are basically just IP farms right now. Yeah, that's dumb. Um, and it's like, you yeah. know, I mean, th- there's a place for that because it's like it's it's cool to see uh, Jason Aaron's Thor run show up in uh, the MCU like that. That is that yeah. is cool. And like Christian Bale did a really good job as as the God Butcher. But it's like, you know. Yes, but at the same time, you know, come on, guys, like, you know, like comic books and movies are not the same thing, uh, yeah, no matter. But see, but yeah. But, but yeah. see, that's but see, that's why I look at us, the independents. See, to me, I I look at it like again, this is this that's more that's their their choice to, 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 to do what they're gonna do. But this is a great opening for us independents to come out there and bring mm-hmm. something new. Because mm-hmm. I think that that because that's what happened back in the, the 40s and 50s and the 60s. It, oh, it yeah. was a rush, there was a rush of new stuff that had to come, and I'm like. We need to embrace it. That's why I'm like, I don't I don't really talk about Marvel and DC because I don't care about the Joneses. They're going to keep doing what they're doing. And so more power to them. Me, all I can do is think about what I'm doing and how we can just keep this thing pushing and pushing. If we can get more independence out there pushing more solid stuff, then it will change the tide. It's going to create a whole new tide of stuff. It may We literally could be setting up the next stage of something amazing but people gotta mm-hmm. believe it because that's the mm-hmm. thing because it has happened a couple of times if you look at history it's happened a couple of times where the shift happened you know from the 50s oh, yeah. 40s from the 50s I mean, like, to the 60s 70s like the 80s. golden age of comics the golden age of comics it's like you know yes you got batman and green lantern and captain america but like yeah. for every one of those guys there are like five um there was a character that was published by uh, Marvel when it was still called Timely, called the Witness. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, he he showed up in uh, like he showed up in like one issue, and then uh, Straczynski did uh, a limited series in like the early two thousands called like the Twelve, which was like you know all these old Golden Age heroes coming back oh, wow. into the modern age. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, but like the the Witness, it, like it was um, it, his backstory is that he was a cop. And mm-hmm. uh, this, this uh, he was a cop in Chicago, and he wound up accidentally shooting someone, 
and was sent to prison and then comes back and like he's like uh like inches away from committing suicide but he's stopped uh by this mysterious all-powerful all-knowing force and he is empowered Ooh. to help people but what 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 happens? What he has to do is he has to observe them for like a couple of days to like a week, and he right. has to decide whether or not they are worth saving. And once oh. he makes that decision, he either leaves them to their fate or he swoops in and saves the day. It's like right. that's an awesome idea. Like I want I want yeah. to do that. Like that that would yeah. be great. Yeah. Um, like you can't do that because I mean Marvel still owns the copyright, but um, you know. But you like, could create a character like that. See, that's the thing I see because I'm starting to see people talk about like about rights on characters, and I'm like, why are people just creating their own stuff? You can create your own. Like you, you, you look at that character and you say, well, how would I do that character? You don't yeah. need that character. You just well, you it, just I mean, yeah. Well, I mean, I that, 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 I, yeah. That's a conversation about copyright yeah. law, and it's like I mean, yeah. like you like, know, like like why thinking about risk? like thinking about like Tigers and Cowboys. Like I love a lot of Gonage stuff, you know, but I'm not gonna try to emulate. I'll try to draw something that like like Mazinga Z, but I would create my own thing that would be a homage to it. That's why I love I love the term homage, because that's what it is. You're doing a homage to something. You're not doing a, a, a rip of it, but you're doing an actual homage of something. And I think more people should go out there instead of just sitting around trying to be like, oh, well, I want to do this character. No, nah, man, you do your own. You like Conan the Barbarian? Create your own Conan the Barbarian. Maybe that that character might actually overshadow a Conan or, 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 and maybe down the years or whatever. Make yeah, your, well, own, I mean, your own X-Men, your own Fantastic Four. Just well, make yeah, sure that like, they're good. I, I talk. I talk to uh, like a lot of like like wh when I when I'm at an event and I'm talking to like other writers and other creators. It's mm -hmm. like you know I like I like talking about like you know the ideas that I have. Like I have what I call a uh, logline list on my computer, mm -hmm. which is basically just a library of like uh, ideas that I have boiled down to a sentence. And like if I ever want to approach an artist, it's like, hey, I like your artwork. Here's a list of ideas that I have. Why don't you pick out a few that you like and we can talk some more. Yeah. Um, and like when I'm talking to other writers and we're talking about like, you know, I, you know, the, the process of coming up with ideas, they're like, oh, no, no, I don't want to talk about what I have uh, because I want to make sure that it's mine and I want to keep it. It's like, oh, yeah, it, it I, I get it. I understand why they would say that. But at the same time, yeah. it's like, you know, you want to uh, like I, I have no problem sharing my ideas because I know that. Uh, like you and I can look at the same sentence and we can have two completely different ideas yep. of how to make that work, how to organize it, of how to write it, of like how to characterize mm -hmm. the whole thing. Like, like you can have two different people on the same idea and come up with two completely different products. So it's like, you know, it's like, yeah, go nuts. Like, you know, share, yeah. share your ideas. Well, the I thing mean, well, the thing about it is that to do anything like this, anything, anything creative, like if you're really going to get out there and do creative, you got to take the leap of faith. That too. People that have too. to understand that risk, you know, what's that that old saying about risk and gains, no gains, no risk or something like that? It's like- you, Nothing you, ventured, you, nothing gained. Exactly. You, you're not, this isn't going to just fall into your lap. Like us right oh, here, no. we're, we're having a conversation. We're all talking right now. There's some people that don't even want to do this kind of stuff, like go on in and talk to people. You know, but it's like if you want to do, if you want to get into this, then you're gonna have to break out of your comfort, your comfort zone. Yeah. And that comfort zone I'll, means you got to either show your artwork, you got to show your writings, you got to get in front of people, you got to talk to people, tell people about what you're doing. 
You, you got to be willing to take up with a lot to put up with a lot of crap. You got yeah, you got to have people who maybe not like what you do. I mean, that's yeah. that's going to be a fact. People may not like it, but you know, as long as you are secure in what you're putting out, then you know you you'll navigate through those waters. You know, that's I'll, I'll, life. I'll be honest, that was me at the very beginning, and it's like I, th I think a lot of aspiring comic book creators like probably have a similar story where it's like you know oh. I'm going like you know I'm going to create this you know single great idea mm -hmm. and this is yep. going to launch me into the stratosphere of fame and fortune <laughs> and like it's so easy to do anyone can yeah. do it it's like no uh, no no it's not uh yeah. and like that 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 was a that was a lesson I had to learn the hard way but yeah. I learned it and you know you got and kept you got to keep with it and and we're it, still learning I think that's the thing about it you never stop learning we're always each each campaign we're doing there's little tweaks here and there there's always something that you pick up and it's like, oh, there's a little nugget there and learn mm -hmm. something. And oh, my God. So it's, 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 it's definitely a process. You know, I would say to anybody out there that's trying that wants to get into this. First, do your research, do your research, be comfortable, um, make sure that you check everything. Don't immediately just do a Kickstarter. I'm not picking on Kickstarter, but just a crowdfunder. Don't just don't immediately say, okay, I got this crazy idea and I'm gonna do a crowdfunding. Take your time. If you can't draw your stuff, do your do your due diligence and try to find a, a good or uh, work with an artist or somebody who you can trust, who's gonna actually be there that you can work with. Um, uh, vice versa, if you're trying to get a writer, work with somebody um, that you can trust that's gonna be there so you, you guys can get this thing going. Take your time with it, you know. Mm -hmm. You, you don't rush it. I'm seeing too many people rushing because immediately they have like this, they, they watch a, a episode on TV or they see a movie and they go, oh my God, I got an idea. Or I'm trying, the worst thing is trying to get into this to, to make money because that's that's the worst <laughs> thing. Don't, don't, don't. I have no comment no, on no. that. That's a no, no, don't, no, don't, don't yeah. treat, don't think of it as a sense of making money, but think of it as something where, you know, you, you're constantly going to learn, you're going to learn certain things and whatever. And it just build off of it, you know. You'll, you'll eventually will build, but it's going to take some time. And I can't believe I have to say this, but it bears repeating: pay your artist. Yeah, all vice like, versa. I, pay your writer. I, I can't. Like, <laughs> oh yes, yes, yes. Yeah, please, yeah, yeah. please, that'd yeah. be fantastic. We're, we're we're not that expensive. I solemnly yeah. swear. Or yeah. like you know, so, so like um, editors are not that expensive at all. Like um, yeah. there's a uh, website called Comics Experience. It's run by uh, Andy Schmidt, who used to uh, be an editor at Marvel. Mm -hmm. uh, it's thirty bucks a month, and what you can do is like it, it's basically a repository of uh, people's scripts. Like you, you t you'll type up like a twenty to twenty four page script, mm -hmm. and you'll and uh, like they they have uh, this great rule where you have to like review three other scripts before you can uh, submit yours, uh, but you can get like professional and amateur um, eyes on your script and on your idea. Okay. And, and doing that it's like like I said it's only 30 bucks a month uh, and cool. it's like you know it, it's it's a great thing I I haven't been as involved in it as I should but like you know when I was just starting out like that that was great like uh like like the the people who were looking at my script like I would look at a uh, Marvel book and I would see their name in like the mm -hmm. editor or the associate editor uh, position nice. so like these these people know what they're doing so like the resources are all there. Yeah. Like, you know, all the stuff is there. Yeah. You just, you know, 
you just you do your research to quote, due diligence. To quote, to quote Nike, you, you just just do it. Just do it. Yeah, just do it. But so, be smart. Be smart about it. That's the thing. Yeah. Take your time. Be patient about it. And just watch and learn and stuff like mm-hmm. that. I mean, there's yeah. a lot of people. There's a lot of tutorials out here. Like when I hear people start saying that, that, that whatever, I'm like, there's tutorials out here. There's tutorials. There's there's people. You know, there's people online. There's some. There, there actually are some nice people. If you if you approach it a certain way and say, hey, how you doing? I'm just starting this thing or whatever. There's some people who will offer um, suggestions and things like that. You gotta. You, you got to break through whatever that fear is, that wall is that you have inside of you and stuff that's stopping you from going out to do this. You know, the worst if you truly, thing if you truly are passionate about it, though. Yeah, I, I love saying this. The worst thing they can do is say no. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's yeah, it. yeah, yeah it's true. just no. And like, you know, if, if if your idea gets gets rejected or if you didn't yeah. get the dream artist you wanted to. OK, fine. There's yeah. uh, with all due respect, Frankie, there are a million other artists out there. Uh, sure. you know, that, sure. that would be, uh, that, that yeah. can do it, uh, do it, uh, now oh, yeah. granted, no, no, no intention of, uh, switching out now. Like we, we have, we have a good thing going, but yeah, well, see, yeah. the thing, no, well, see the thing about it is that it's like, for me, I always felt like I was always in a line of, I say, look, I don't go out there trying to be uh, just a, a, you know, the best artist. I know that I'm bringing a lot more to the table, my experience, my, my, you know, my, my professionalism. You know, I always hear a lot of people talk about artists, but they never talk in terms terms of professionalism. The fact that the artist is going to continue doing the job, do the work, and whatever. Those are qualities that you need to have or find in a person that you're going to work with. Because I'm I'm seeing a lot of people getting burned. I mean, mm-hmm. it's not going to help anybody if you if you end up getting somebody and then they just flake on you after you've given them half your money and then all of a sudden they're gone. So the thing I've is had is that, that happen. Yeah. So so the thing about it is that. To get a quality artist or even quality writer, you got to take your time. You got to do your research and stuff. And they're out there. We're out there. There's there's people who are very professional minded, who you know they'll say, okay, talk to me and whatever, and then we can try to figure things out. But you know, my my that's I, I consider that more of my strength right there, more so than my artwork. I think I'm a, I think I'm a good artist, but I you know years of experience is my and my that's problem. why we've yeah. been working together for six years. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah. So, be so all right. You have an artist that has a custom pop of the character, the main character. Yes, right now had that done. Kaijus and Cowboys. Yes, I had to get that. I had to uh, get I'm, it. I'm a little jealous. That's promotion. <laughs> so, this is this is the print. Yes, where, yes, uh, the campaign. <laughs> Yes, yes. I know, I know. Later, we're still talking about the campaign. I know, I know. I'm looking. I'm looking at the. I'm looking at the clock too, guys. And I think I'm gonna have to head on out, man. My eyes are getting a little heavy. <laughs> oh, I, I feel you. Uh, the one, the one question I did have. All right. Uh, was I noticed the only way to get the bob patch is through a certain tier? There's no add-on. Okay. Yeah. Patch, right? Yeah. That that was that was something that was brought up. Um, yes. <laughs> so like, you know, going back to a learning experience, um, like this, that, that was based off of, um, that, that was, that was based off the previous campaigns we had done, which were just like, you know, single issues, you know, and, and all that. So, um, we understand that there's concern, we hear you and we're going to work on making the next one better. So, um, that's another great thing about this this uh, fantastic world we live in instant communication and instant feedback on what on uh, your yeah. stuff. Um, so uh, we're not 
going to be able to do that now for this campaign because like I, I, I tried and like um, you can't edit a reward after someone is donated yeah mm-hmm. on that specific reward tier for Kickstarter. Yeah. Um, but I think because um, because like the the the, the last uh, crowdfunding campaign we did we did a company called Zoop, which is a you know great great company that they're doing a cool thing and like their uh, their two big innovations were we will print and ship for you and also the other thing they did was like you know here is the book and here is a library of stuff that you can add on to the book as opposed to like you know you can only um buy it uh in in set reward tiers so we're going to work on that for the next one for Kickstarter. Yeah. Like we're like, we'll, we'll have like a thing where like, you know, you buy the book and then you can like do add-ons uh, for the campaign. So that, that, that's something that we you, know. You of. know what would be a good idea? It just, it just came to my mind. Maybe we should do a poll. Like I've seen a lot of people do polls to ask like, what would they want? Like, like what would they want? Like as the add-ons are separate and stuff. Oh yeah. So yeah. I, I, yeah. That might uh, be able to get a better sense from what people may want because, because, because my whole thing was that I always worry, like if people are coming, like say people buy stuff now, then they don't want to get the same duplicate thing again. They don't want to be forced yeah. to buy the same thing again, which is, it's yeah. not fair. So. Yeah. So yeah, like th- th- that, that's a, that's a valid, um, valid question, a valid critique. And it's something we will uh, work on at f- in future campaigns. So and two new cards, and while we're here, there's the dock patch. Yeah, yep. the dock patch. And a we, uh, yes, we're 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 working on getting a, a shiny binder for you to put all your stuff in. For the training Very cards, cool. yes. For for the cards, for the books, for the prints, yeah. So there we go. And oh, fifty-four! Wow. Did we get somebody else? Yep. Yeah. Yeah, uh, like yesterday. Uh, oh, like, like no. uh, yeah. Wasn't it just fifty three? Yeah. Yeah. Yes, we got somebody else. Yeah, we got it somebody else. Me. Oh, was you? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's whoever this specifically why is... I was asking you about the Bob patch because I was like, oh, oh, the dog. Well, who, whoever that person is, he's a fantastic. They, they they are a fantastic person, and we are eternally grateful. <laughs> fantastic. Thank you so much. Uh, I am kind of fantastic. <laughs> Uh, but guys, I want to thank you so much for coming on. Everybody, go uh, out thank and you. Uh, get thank you some you. kaiju's and cowboys. Uh, if you're new to this, there's lots of tiers that you can get both issues one and two on. Uh, there's mm-hmm. tiers that you can choose one issue or the other in case you already have the first issue, and uh, lots of cool stuff. Uh, there, there's the dock patch. Yes, there he goes. <laughs> Which is tier specific currently, so <laughs> you have to do like me and dive, dive into the shallow end of the pool head first to just get that. Especially, <laughs> especially if you have the the uh, the first. Uh, I can't wait to get them. I can't wait to get them. Put them in my and, collection too. Yeah, and I have another patch of Frankies that he he did for uh, for Ginger's campaign about a year or so ago. Ginger's. Cool. Uh, he's from Florida. It was like a it was like a Dungeons and Dragons spoof. Oh, that one. Okay, okay, got you. Oh yeah, wow, nice. Ginger Gingerton, yes. Got you. Yes. Okay, now I remember. Okay. 
So I've got other Frankie patches. Oh. So guys, That's I want to thank you so much for coming on. Thank if you, you so much. To this thank you. Podcast. Uh, please follow us. It's free. You can also watch the episodes on YouTube, Rumble, Odyssey, and some other place that I can't remember right now. Because <laughs> wherever podcasts are sold. Oh, there yes. you go. Well, wherever free podcasts are gotten. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, yeah. So, guys, thank you so much. Uh, thank you so much. Book, 20 days left. 20 days get left. You, get you some cajus and cowboys. That's and, right. Come uh, on. We're galloping towards that stretch goal. Become uh, a writer. Become a writer and join us on this journey. Yeah. Come on in. The water's fine. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Thank everybody so much, and uh, we'll be back next Wednesday with another brand new episode, uh, getting into it with some some more creators. Thanks for uh, tuning yeah. in, and we'll catch you all next time. Uh, you know, read a comic. Yes. yes. And go Bruins. Go Bruins. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs>